You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 494. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Lake Burton, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 22nd of October, 2021. New details about last year's crash of an Air Force stealth fighter. What should have been an 11-hour British Airways flight takes 36 hours. More news, your feedback, and today's plain tale, the Mike Wildman story, part three. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 494 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia, and joining me from her lakeside studio in South Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper. Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. That's actually how I feel about how my strength training is going these days. I just... I need to get back into it. It's a sad, sad situation at the moment. Good to see you. Glad to be here for the show. You're doing great with the running, though. Running's good. Strength training, eh. Not so much, though. It's a little give and take. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to this young man from his hotel studio in somewhere between Fort Worth and Dallas, Texas, world traveler, airplane mechanic, Breitling Cognoscenti, fitness hound, and international air freight captain, it's Miami Rick. Hey, everybody. My strength training is doing a little bit better, I think. Yeah? You know, a uh, bottle of beer on the right, glass of water on the left, should be good. That's good. Balance uh, yeah. is good. <laughs> balance. Oh, keeping yes. it balanced. Definitely yeah. balance. So, right. uh, yeah, looking forward to a great show. Glad to see the entire crew together for a change. Glad you're here with us, man. All right. And also joining us from his hotel studio. In no. Make that his home studio. Uh, professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Oh, well, I'm hi there, Jeff. Uh, hi, Jeff. Hi, Rick. Um, as you can see, I'm talking to you from a hangar full of yaks. So I'm yakking amongst yaks. Yak, yak, yak. There's a song about that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yak, yak. Probably is. Don't talk back. Exactly. <laughs> yak, yak. All right. Well, good to see you all. Hey, we're here together all in one place. Well, sort of. <laughs> Virtually, anyway. And that... Uh, 
means that we're going to get all caught up a little bit later. But in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and talk about some news. So here we go. Stand by for news. All right. A privately owned MD-87 was attempting a takeoff in Houston at Houston Executive Airport and uh, didn't quite take off, didn't make it airborne and ended up crashing uh, beyond the end of the runway and uh, miraculously all 21 Folks on board the airplane, uh, the passengers and crew, all uh, survived the crash. And I think only two minor injuries. Uh, so uh, let's see. I have some video that I'd like to share while I talk a little bit more about that. Here's some video taken by a local news helicopter showing the runway. It's a north-south runway about little over 6,000 feet long, I believe. And then here in this video, you can see the uh, tracks of the gear, and then it goes past a tree line and a road, and then beyond, looks like the left wing hit some trees and then spun the aircraft around, and it came to a stop. And as I said, before the thing exploded into flames, it looks like everybody got off the airplane, although we don't have any video of that. Uh, but uh, that's what I'm surmising. And uh, so let's see, what else can we say about this? That's um, pretty much destroyed, isn't it? Not yeah, much of an airplane left there. Definitely not going to be able to use that one again. Huh. Nope. Um, let's see. I'm Fortune? already amazed that everyone got off. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Um, let's see. Eyewitness News has also learned the plane is registered under the name of J. Allen Kent, who is the corporate owner of Flair Builders, a Houston-based custom home builder. I guess Flair and um, some friends and family, I guess, were headed, not sure about the family part, but they were headed up to Boston for the um, Astros. Boston, uh, I guess that would be the American League and National Playoff Series. Is that right? No, ALC, the yeah. uh, ALC, uh, ALC uh, American League, um, but of course they didn't. They didn't make it to the game because uh, of that little incident at the uh, airport there. Do you want to see the overlays? Yeah, oh, um, we still doing video. Let, uh, uh, there's one more video that I yep. want to show. Keep going, yep. Liz. Um, Just let me know. The well, no, let, yeah, do the uh, do the overlay. Do the uh, the, the both of those uh, in sequence. There, there's the uh, another view of the crash scene. Uh, from the news helicopter and uh, looking straight north and you can see right down the runway how it went you know just right off straight off the runway over that uh, road and then it looks like that left wing kind of caught the little group of uh, trees right there and spun it around that is a picture of the that's um, before before yes thank you liz <laughs> she said that's before <laughs> pre pre barbecue of the airplane yeah, yeah. that's the way it's supposed to look charring after yeah yeah, thank you. Great. Thank you, Liz. That's very helpful. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> that's before. Um, it could be helpful. So that's the uh, the private uh, MD-87 in its uh, private uh, livery. Um, and uh, yeah, so. 
You know what? I tell you what I was, I was, um, I was doing my pre-flight, um, forget where I was exactly, but when this, uh, when the news came uh, through that uh, this had happened and that the airplane had uh, failed uh, to uh, take off, the first thing that came to mind, uh, uh, the first thing that I thought about was that, um, that accident of that, uh, it was another, uh, a mad dog, mm-hmm. uh, was a, a Maristar charters, uh, 9363. And that one didn't take off because of a, it had a jammed elevator and they did a, um, a, um, a high speed, uh, rejected takeoff that passed V one. And now, uh, generally you don't, I mean, part of, uh, part of your briefing goes, you know, part of V1 will reject for any master caution, master warning, engine failure, or the aircraft unable is unable or unsafe to fly. And, there you go. Um, in that case, on, on the case of 9363, the aircraft was just unable to fly. So the, the, the captain rejected the takeoff and uh, by rejecting the takeoff above uh, V1 actually saved everyone on board. Had he not, uh, the airplane would have been uncontrollable and uh, the outcome would have been mm-hmm. a very, very different. So that's the first thing I thought about, you know, uh, just the similarities, the parallels are very, uh, very, very similar. Me too. There, so, there were uh, two uh, major incidents involving the ability for the elevator to do its job. Uh, one occurred um, about a year before that one that you're talking about, Rick. And in that case, the airplane started to rotate well, 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 well before um, the v, uh, the rotate speed, um, mm-hmm. and then th- smartly the captain chose to reject the takeoff and, and kept it on the ground because otherwise it would have been very difficult, if impossible, to control the airplane. In this case, the one you're talking about, Rick. Um, they, the uh, airplane had been sitting for several days and it was one of yep. those weather systems that had super high winds and that yep. the, as everybody, well, a lot of people know the elevators are not powered, uh, on the, uh, most of the mad dog series of aircraft and the 90, it was powered, but all the other ones, the 88, 87, 83, 82, and even the, uh, Boeing 717 that I fly, the elevator is not powered and everything is controlled with a control tab. And one of the linkages from the control tab to the elevator itself, I believe, um, had, had bent or broken on that. And so only one side was actually working the way it was supposed to. And that was not enough, uh, elevator authority to get the nose to rotate. And, uh, as you said, Rick, uh, a very, you know, good decision to reject even at high speed above V1 in that situation. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody died in that one either. Yeah. Yeah. So. But now we have this, uh, this, a uh, bit of a video, uh, showing a little puff of white. Smoke yeah. So I was just about to, I was setting up for yeah. that right now. Uh, let me fast forward to that part of the video. I think it's right about here. But I want you guys to take a look at this video that I okay, just received. It shows you that McDonnell Douglas MD-87 taxiing uh, down the runway, attempting to take off. But we don't see moments later, the plane would roll off the runway, hit a fence, and burst into flames. So it was taxiing down the runway. Actually, it was not taxiing. It was, you know accelerating accelerating for takeoff uh, yeah. roll but details details yeah geez. but you know that was pretty close i've got to give him a little credit for that <laughs> he was on Partial the runway <laughs> yeah but he used appropriate verbiage just you know yeah in the wrong order in the wrong yeah so <laughs> poorly applied so right words wrong order what's interesting yeah. about that though nick is um that or whoever mentioned the puff of smoke maybe it was you rick yeah 
the so it may be more than just a situation where the elevator control tab or elevator um you know control arm or whatever you call it back there was not working maybe there was an engine failure and that had something to do with this i don't know yeah, and then and as as Neville points out here, odd that the uh, the reverser buckets were not deployed, which would indicate a uh, uh, an attempt, at least an attempt, to uh, reject the takeoff because that's that's what you do. It's part of uh, you know on every Boeing that I've ever flown, the the flow is the same. You you know close the thrust levers, then you disconnect the auto throttle, then you extend the speed brakes manually, and uh, that's and that's airline specific, really. And then you uh, deploy the thrust reversers because uh, even though your uh, takeoff rejection area calculations do not uh, contemplate the use of thrust reverser, uh, the fact that you're using them uh, is uh, it's obviously is to your advantage and it's going to get you stopped quicker. Um, yeah, we're but, supposed to uh, use them if they're if they're operable. Exactly, um, and uh, in on that air, airplane, the eighty-seven, I think is very similar to the eighty-eight. So uh, above, you know, once you hit a certain speed, if you retard the throttles uh, back toward idle, the um, braking automatic uh, emergency braking mm -hmm. um, comes on, and the spoiler should automatically deploy as well. Um, and then if they don't, then you follow up by manually deploying them. But they should automatically deploy on a rejected takeoff. Yeah, I mean, but the, whether that, that's, I guess, kind of, you know, airplane specific, system specific, because on, on some airplanes, the speed brake lever is tied to the actuation of a thrust reverser uh, lever. On other airplanes, uh, it's not. And that's why um, uh, recently, actually, the manual was changed for us, where you now have to uh, bring the thrust levers to idle manually deploy the th the, the the speed brakes the, the, the spoilers and then apply a thrust reverser because if the um, auto function of the speed brake is an op uh, it's not going to work uh, it's not going to deploy automatically when you go to um, deploy thrust reverser so you need to you know close th uh, thrust uh, levers deploy th um, uh, speed brakes and then thrust reversers, but then again, that's just no airplane specific. And then the and then the brakes work off of. Um, I, I'm sure it must be kind of you know similar on on, on Mad Dog. I've never flown a Mad Dog, but uh, we have a setting on the auto brakes is uh, set to RTO rejected takeoff, and uh, you bring the thrust levers to idle, and that's going to apply the whole three thousand pounds of you know hydraulic pressure for from whatever system it is that it uh, happens to uh, work the brakes. It's going to put all that force hydraulic pressure into the brake to get you stopped as quickly as possible so uh is there does the uh, mad dog have an, an rto position or a rejected takeoff position on auto brakes we yeah the, we we do have an rto position on the uh, auto brake system um from whatever now the airplane believe it or not the boeing 717 is basically the most modern latest version of the dc9 lineage um but it doesn't have uh, they didn't opt. I guess the carrier that ordered these things was um, AirTran, and AirTran did not order the auto braking system on the airplane. I guess just one one more thing to to break. Oh. Um, interesting. Oh, here's another interesting thing. I don't know if this is true or not, but you know when you look at the um, the Mad Dogs, and a lot of times when they were first. Uh, introduced into service people would be watching these things taxiing and they thought oh they forgot to uh, take take the chocks out from the nose wheel because it looks like they're chocks <laughs> like because mm -hmm. yeah. this big spray guard thing in the front yeah, deflector, um, yeah. 
so on the uh, Boeing 717, um, there's this um, mount, mounting um, flange or whatever the whatever you want to call it. It's still there, but the part of it that goes around the wheels and you know the, looks like a, like chalks on the nose wheel, it's not there. And I'm thinking well, that's odd. I was talking with a guy who uh, was one of the first group of pilots that were trained on it at uh, Acme, and he said. And according to him, he said that the uh, the airline, Airtran, uh, basically took them off and had them stored somewhere, I don't know where, uh, and they just decided not to use them because, again, you know, one more thing to to break, I guess. But I'm thinking, really? Uh, did did Boeing or whoever let them let them do <laughs> that? Or did they that? just make the decision? That's just going to take them off. Normally, they're to stop water ingestion into yeah. the engines, aren't exactly. they, Jeff? So exactly. if you take them off, it could be a big problem. I don't – They only fly in really dry places. Exactly. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah, – and that doesn't always happen stuff, so I'm hoping that uh, that was approved. <laughs> so far, I haven't had any engines flame out yet from water ingestion, so, hmm, you know. Well, you got to hope that they didn't opt out of the system that automatically engages your igniters when you put the flaps out up. So uh, hopefully that works because otherwise you're going to have to remember to put the igniter stuff on for takeoff and landing um yeah uh, well we did actually have to turn the igniters on on the uh on the uh, mad dog but um, it's not automatic on the 717 it is though oh okay gotcha gotcha yeah 737 is not automatic either so even 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 the new uh the new dash uh, i think the max is uh, i don't know but anyway usually you put the flaps out up or you turn the uh, anti eyes on and that'll turn your uh, your igniters on cool Okay, well, I'm hoping that we'll find out something. They did get both of the the, the the boxes, the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder, and they said they were pretty charred, but hopefully they'll get some good data out of it, and uh, they'll be able to figure out what happened here, hopefully. Did you see on the, the, the last thing here, did you see on the last picture that they took, or I guess the last uh, aerial shot of the uh, of the crash, how there's um, a charred area behind engine two, but not behind yeah. engine one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, engine two is still running. Apparently, oh. and scorching the grass. Yeah, uh, grass. I mean, there are two thoughts there. One is they had an engine failure. The left engine was the one that had that funny puff of white smoke at the beginning of the takeoff mm-hmm. roll. So perhaps by this time, if it had failed, it wasn't producing any uh, heat, so no black marks. Or uh, when the crew uh, did their evacuation drills, they shut down the engines but perhaps the damage to the uh, airframe was sufficient that the right engine uh, shut down uh, connections didn't work so that when mm-hmm. they fire bottled and uh, turned the hp cocks off perhaps that right engine didn't respond because something had uh, electrics are broken or something yeah you're ex- absolutely yeah. right so that's part of could our be either of those i would say emergency evacuation checklist is uh, you know to pull those t-handles and that yeah. should cut off all that stuff. And it yep. uh, doesn't look like it did. Either that or they didn't mm-hmm. pull the T-handle. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, nice thing about this is we're probably going to get the preliminary report pretty quick because it's not going right. to take them long to uh, uh, And they can ask the pilots out. what happened. Yeah. You know? yep. That's very like true. They don't have yeah. their input. Definitely yeah, going to help. That's good. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's for you. Uh-oh. Who's there? That's for you. I know who that probably is. So hang on. Um, and it's probably somebody, thank you. It's, it's something that we're probably going to talk about a little bit in getting to know us today. 
Oh, cool. All right. So, um, so hopefully they'll be leaving a message right now. Okay. Let's, how's that for a teaser, huh? Um, let us continue to the next item. And this is an incident that involved a crash that involved an F 22 spiraled to the ground. Um, a wobbling F 22 that spiraled to the ground and a secretive crash last year. And, uh, let's see, newly obtained documents. Well, you know, it's a very secretive, not not that secret. We know about it now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Gets out of the bag. May 15th, 2020. So it was a while back. Uh, and I guess the, probably the people that live near where the thing went down probably uh, knew about it. And the guy that was flying it does as well. Um, let's see. Newly obtained documents offer a clearer picture of an F-22 Raptor's demise in Florida last year when it crashed near Eglin Air Force Base during training with other fighter jets. The F-22 grew increasingly wobbly upon takeoff, refused to turn left, and shortly barrel rolled into the ground after its pilot safely ejected, according to the Air Force's investigation into the May 15, 2020 incident that was previously not made or not previously made public. Air Force Times received the Safety Board investigation documents through a Freedom of Information Act request. And so that's why we're hearing about it now. The Air Force said earlier this year that it did not convene a longer-term accident investigation board to look into the crash, instead waiving that usual requirement because of operational security concerns. A commander-directed investigation and a safety investigation board took place instead, and much of the paperwork obtained dates to June 26, 2020. The inquiry's findings detail a harrowing morning at Eglin's test and training range as the pilot struggled to control and then bailed out of one of the Air Force's most advanced airframes. A confusing mission to inspect the crash site and find the pilot nearly resulted in another collision between an F-22 and an F-35 Lightning II. Uh, let's see. I have. Um, they, I they, just. I just love paying taxes when I. When I. You know. Read about stuff like this. Yeah, they <laughs> paid a lot of taxes on this one. Take my money. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> They, uh, the Air Force prepared um, a, a video that kind of shows like a computer simulation oh, yeah, of, uh, of what happened. And I'm going to play oh, what I did is I, I, gonna, I started it from the last little over a minute of the video uh, because the first part of it is just, a, you know, kind of making orbits and losing altitude and twitching here and there. But at the end, it gets really, really twitchy and wobbly. Show the wobbly. Yeah, it shows the wobbly, Liz. And uh, here we go. So we're going to watch that, I think. I've asked to share the video, and your browser is having trouble sharing your video. This can happen if the file is invalid. What do you mean it's invalid? Uh-oh. Oh, that's no good. A wobbly video, too. Oh, it's a wobbly video. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. <laughs> uh, let me I try this. Hang on. Why is it doing that? Let me go look here uh, at the file. Little technical hiccup, which is very unusual for for yeah. our show. Mm-hmm. Never happens. Never happens. Uh, by the way, thank you for vamping earlier when uh, I was talking with the HVAC technician. Now? Yep, they're gone. And at first, I thought they really screwed up because I could feel nothing but really, really cold air coming out of this vent. 
And I'm thinking, well, that's no good. Lego, I thought uh, well, I thought you wanted an AC installed. I see <laughs> you wearing a, a sweatshirt there. I'm like, it's, it's 80 yeah. degrees here. I'd well, it's like actually the- starting to warm up, but it's been mostly in the low 60s in the cabin for the last day or so. Um, and the other morning, it was like 54 degrees when I got up. Um, but now it's starting to, he's got it set at 70, and it feels like it's warming up in here. So that's nice. So anyway, let's get back to the video. And, oh, I know what's happening. Hang on. It was something that I, I'm sharing it via Dropbox, and I have Smart Sync on, which means that it doesn't upload it to my local it's not folder. So smart. That's not so, so I'm not so smart. It's much smarter than I am, Steph. (laughs) That goes without saying. Okay, here we go. This is the uh, video that they prepared. Yay. The dramatic reenactment of the twitchy, wobbly F-22. So it's... um, Pretty cool, actually. It is. It's uh, about eight th- between 8,000 and 9,000 feet above uh, in the area of Eglin Air Force Base, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Uh, I've flown into Eglin uh, at least two times in the last couple wow. of weeks. Luckily, I wasn't flying when this happened. Um, or then again, it would have been kind of neat to watch. But uh, anyway, the F-22 pilot is attempting to maintain control of this jet as it kind of yeah, circles it's around. It's very hard when it's doing a Windows update. Yes. Well, that, I don't know. That could have been <laughs> a problem. Yeah. Uh, vertical accel- acceleration is on the left side there. Right now we're right about 1G, 1.2G. Yeah, and the airplane, now I think this, you, you look at that little time Oof, thing up in the thing, the seconds are going back. It looks like about four times normal speed here. So maybe it wasn't quite okay. as twitchy as it looks in this video. Um, but now it's starting to really get out of control and there you go. It kind Whoa. of corkscrews That's and fun. then it's inverted. And then he punched out at some point, I think when it was inverted. <laughs> yeah, I hope I so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, uh, the That's impressive. pilot, um, made it through the ordeal alive. And, uh, as I said, the, uh, there was some, there were some issues trying to find the crash site and the pilot and they had an F-22 and or a couple of F-22s and an F-35 or two over the area. And uh, they almost had a mid-air collision. <laughs> Oops. That would have been bad. And uh, <laughs> apparently somebody nearby saw the crash and picked up, or maybe it was an a Air Force vehicle out there that uh, picked up the pilot and brought him back to the base, took him to the hospital. He was hitchhiking. Hitchhiking, yes. Okay. Let's see, what else to say about this? Um, did they really say exactly what happened? Oh, yeah, I found the paragraph. Okay, uh, go ahead. Uh, after more than a year of silence on the mishap, the Air Force said in August, the jet crashed because of a maintenance error made after the aircraft was washed Uh-oh. that impacted control inputs transmitted to the aircraft. The surface did not elaborate I was, I was on that error. <laughs> Isn't that what happened to the B-2 out of, uh, out of uh, Guam? Yes, oh, I just oh, flew with I, a guy that uh, was, the, uh, was in that squadron, and uh, he, he, was, and he was, uh, was telling me about that. Yeah. Anyway, I was, I was like, yeah, keep on going. Flight, flight controls, fly-by-wire, watch it be moisture. I was like, yep. Uh, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, make sure you close the panels before you wash it, guys. <laughs> yeah, the investigation documents do not include interviews with maintenance or other clear evidence of a cause. So nothing to see here. Nope. No, exactly right. Uh, 
I, I, there's a just below that paragraph actually. There's a lovely picture of the uh, aircraft there, sitting with a couple of uh, engineers working on it. Can you see that? I wonder if I can, I can. share. Um, and there, there you can see that tool they've got there, Steph. That that's the guy adjusting the wobble valve. Oh. <laughs> Very critical part of the aircraft. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now you see, I, I yeah. think you want you want less wobble generally. <laughs> yeah, less wobble. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Want to dial it to the left there. Yeah, Is that the de-wobblator? Yeah, Exactly. We're going to share the technical term. Yeah. But yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And next time you wash the F twenty two, please put a shower cap over the canopy. So on. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Neil's yeah. done a great job oh, here. Yeah. What's that? Neil. Uh, let's see. Neil says, so all the Chinese need to do is sneak over and watch the whole fleet. <laughs> Damn. Come on. Giving away state Ouch. secrets. Right. right. Yeah. It's the Achilles heel. They're very clean people. <laughs> Good clean people, Liz says. <laughs> oh, man. Is that cultural appropriation? I think it is. I think so. I was Put yourself cool. in timeout, please, Liz. I didn't say they were dirty. They were <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, enough of that one. Uh, let's continue with uh, this. Now, this is sad. I mean, we oh, talked about man. this after it happened um, back in January of 2019. A very famous uh, soccer footballer. or footballer. Uh, now, how do you pronounce his last name? Salah? Salah. Salah? Uh, Emiliano Salah. Okay. Salah. Um, he and pilot David Ibbotson died in the crash in 2019. So now this gentleman, uh, Liz, if you'll show the, fir- oh, you already showed that. Oh, there's the, sorry, there's the Salah, and, Salah yes. and then that's the, the pilot. And then if you'll show this, uh, other guy, okay. He is, uh, Looks in like court Peter O'Toole. right now. It's not Peter O'Toole. It's David Henderson. Um, he, uh, acted recklessly and dangerously when he organized a flight carrying the Argentine footballer, Emiliano Sala, um, the court has heard, uh, this guy's 67 years old of main street, Hotham or Hotham. I'm not sure. East riding of Yorkshire. How would you pronounce H O T H A M, uh, Nick? Hotham. Hotham. Enlisted a pilot who no, was neither. Hotham. <laughs> Here we go. Not, not Hotham. Hulk. Hotham. I'm doing the Hotham. best I can. Hotham. Hotham. Um, so anyway, uh, he denies, uh, Henderson denies endangering the safety of an aircraft. Well, he, he endangered the safety of two human beings is what he did. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, he was, uh, he was scheduled to pilot the flights which took Salah, Salah, 28 from Cardiff to mm, Nantes. Nantes and back again, but could not as he was on holiday in Paris with his wife. Uh, instead, he asked Mr. Ibbotson, I think he calls him Ibby, um, who he knew, to pilot the flights despite him not having a commercial <laughs> license. The court was told that Mr. Ibbotson was not competent to fly in the poor weather uh, Mr. Henderson knew had been forecast. So I'm wondering, he did have a private license or a private certificate uh, from uh, the FAA, the U.S. Uh, certificate. Um, but I bet that he didn't even have an uh, instrument That's rating. Right. Yeah. Um, just based on what, you know, in that last sentence there. He added Mr. Henderson ignored certain requirements and that the organized flights were not operated and organized out of a love for 
uh, Emiliano or Cardiff City Football Club, but for his business interests. The second flight in the single-engine Piper Malibu came down in the English Channel on the 21st of January. Oh, I thought it crashed on the 19th. Anyway, uh, in the summer of 2018, more than six months before the crash, Mr. Henderson was told by the aircraft's owners that Mr. Ibbotson, the pilot that was flying at the time, uh, should not pilot the Piper Malibu again after he committed two airspace infringements while flying it. Um, So he was aware that there were issues with Mr. Ibbotson's flying from the start. And then uh, following the letters, Mr. Ibbotson himself wrote to Mr. Henderson, suggesting he thought uh, that he would not be using him again. Um, Let's see, Faye Keeley, who represented the trust which owned the aircraft, was not aware Mr. Ibbotson was the pilot on either of the flights between Nantes and Cardiff. Um, Let's see. So this is where it gets really kind of ugly. Yeah. Um, Communications. Well, let's see. The the prosecutor said right from the get-go, Mr. Henderson was aware he was dealing with someone who had a private license, not a commercial one, which is, of course, you know, you're prohibited from performing commercial operations if you only have a private license. Mm -hmm. Communications between Mr. Henderson and Mr. Ibbotson from August and October 2018 showed that Mr. Henderson uh, showed Mr. Henderson talking about flying at night and flying outside his qualifications. The court heard Mr. Henderson try to rearrange the time of the return flight to Cardiff, but this was to avoid incurring costs at Cardiff Airport and not because of Mr. Ibbotson's lack of qualifications to fly at night. Mr. Uh, Goody told the court the pilot did have an American qualification, which he received in 2014, but he was not allowed to be paid as a private pilot, right? He added um, he had never held a commercial pilot's license in the UK and his rating to fly this type of aircraft expired on 20 November 2018. So he wasn't even qualified to fly the Malibu. On the night the plane went missing, uh, Mr. Uh, well, see, Mr. Henderson sent a text message to an aircraft engineer saying, quote, don't say a word, and asked others to keep quiet because questions may be asked about his flying. bit incriminating. Yes, very incriminating. Neil's asking if you can fly uh, over large bodies of water without an instrument rating. Well, an instrument rating, really, what that allows you to do is to fly in conditions that are not what are called VMC. Uh, visual meteorological conditions, you know, regardless of the type of terrain or, you know, whatever it is that you're flying over, as long as you remain in VMC, then yeah, you can, you can fly. That's, that's fine. You can't fly into the water there. No. Well, no I, I would not recommend that under any no. sort of weather circumstances, actually. No, exactly. Which is very sadly what this bloke yeah. did to uh, that poor innocent footballer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, wow. Very sad. Hmm. Well, yeah. it, you know, it, I, I'm, I, I am all for having the blame for these uh, events um, ensure that those responsible, not just the pilot, but those responsible for organising the flight and things uh, are fully uh, spread because otherwise, uh, you know, other sharks in the uh, industry will think they can get away with this if they can find some sucker to fly the airplane for them. They're, they're impervious to prosecution. It's not the case. And I'm very mm-hmm. pleased that this has gone to court and that uh, mm-hmm. hopefully justice will be done. And, you know, it's really yeah. sad because people, you know, the general public just assume that when 
they arrange for these kind of things that the person flying the airplane is competent and is qualified to do the job, you know, safely. Even yeah. on your flights? Even on my flights, Liz. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. And then <laughs> she's a sharp one. Though. She is very sharp. Oh, she's I'm, I'm about to lose yeah. the connection with Liz in the control room, I think. <laughs> oh, it's just technical. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Just kidding. Stay there, please. Okay. And then I uh, this highlighted uh, bit at the very end of this uh, was from another uh, article. The Air Accidents Investigation Branch reported at the start of the year that the plane had been leaking carbon monoxide during the flight. And a final maneuver by Mr. Ibbotson to pull up the plane had caused it to break up in midair. Mm. So, yeah. A lot of different things going on there, too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, let's continue on with the last item in our news notebook. And this is um, a British Airways flight operates epic 36-hour flight to Hong Kong, including three aborted landings and a night sleeping on the plane in Manila. Now, before I go any further, yeah, I know where you're going with this. I, and it maybe Jeff, it's just me. I, pet peeve? Is this is a pet, pet peeve? peeve. Yeah. Do you I find this probably... misleading with the uh, headline? Is that what you're? Pet peeve? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. thinking that I'm trying to find my pet peeves thing. I can't find it anyway. Um, put it in post. Ooh, Jeff's pet peeves. Yeah, I'll put it in on post. Anyway, this is not really a 36-hour flight, is it? No. No. Yeah. It's a 36 hour trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. it's a 36 hour odyssey, but uh, the flight itself it, uh, <laughs> did not last for 36 yeah. hours. Yeah. Flight means yeah. flying, in my yeah. mind. Okay. Block time. Yeah. No, not, not kipping when you're parked at Manila. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. But hey, fine, if you're getting paid by the hour, I'll take that. Yeah, well, well, so I this, mean, to be fair, it, it was it was a bit of a nightmare for the crew. Yeah, and of course, the passengers feel sorry for everyone. But uh, absolutely, yeah. but not a thirty-six hour flight. No, and I don't think no. I would call it a thirty-six an epic thirty-six hour flight. I call it a uh, horrendous ordeal. 36 ordeal. Yeah, uh, British Airways operated the triple seven three hundred departed London Heathrow Airport on Friday evening and didn't arrive at its destination until Sunday afternoon. In that thirty-six hour journey. See, now they're accurately. Whoever wrote the headline, of course, blew it. Uh, that involved was, three aborted was, landings. Well, no one would have read it if it said a, I know. Uh, yeah, a, a normally 11-hour trip took 36 <laughs> hours because of weather and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's just not catchy. Who reads You're right. Not I mean, even if you said blah, 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 I mean, that's not even <laughs> catchy. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, they departed, let's see, what are, uh, they departed 7.40 p.m. on the 8th of September for what should have been a routine 11-hour flight to Hong Kong. That's even long. But a tropical storm that hit the Hong Kong region on Saturday had other ideas, lashing the city with, a, with rain and high winds and forcing several flights forced to divert. Several flights to divert. Forcing several flights forced to divert. Okay, I did read that correctly. You it's read just it a bad sentence. It was written incorrectly. I'm thinking, yeah. you how did it? I yeah. do that? As written. Okay, the pilots of the seven year old Boeing 777 attempted to land, but with around 1,500 feet until touchdown, they decided to abort the landing and went around for a second attempt, which they again had to abort. After the two aborted landings, the pilot said, That's enough. Decided to divert to Manila Aquino International. Airport in the Philippines. It's quite, a, it's quite a bit of fuel they had there after an 11-hour trek mm -hmm. to divert to Manila. That's a long way, isn't it? Uh, man. 
That's yeah, a, it's not that's like a yeah, it's right a couple of hours down the road. Yeah, yeah, an hour and a half later, uh, it says they landed. Yeah, yeah. Man. just under two hours. I've done that flight. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but due to local pandemic rules and strict quarantine restrictions in Hong Kong, none of the passengers or crew were allowed off the plane while they waited out the, the tropical storm. Instead, they were forced to spend the entire night sleeping on the plane before trying to uh, get to Hong Kong on Sunday morning. Anyway, so as you can see, it was. Um, uh, oh, to add insult to injury, passengers and crew were then forced to wait in Hong Kong airport for several hours while their COVID-19 test results were processed. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Uh. But surely they knew that when they departed London. Yeah, but they didn't know yeah. about the part going to the Philippines. I, I think uh, that wasn't part of the deal. And they, they did no. an, another go around when they got to Hong Kong for the final attempt to landing. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, my gosh. They had a real, real. No, I'm thinking. Rally. I'm thinking this is just the pilot. He was just running, running low on uh, landing currency, so he's just trying to sneak him in somehow. Yeah. You know, instead of having to go to the box. So, uh, kudos, <laughs> kudos, shoot a couple chap. approaches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I suppose that um, the crew just used the rest facilities on the airplane to get their rest, and then they were legal yeah. to to do all this flying the the next day. I don't know about being legal. They must have gotten some kind of uh, relief from the CAA or, or operations or somebody because I. Uh, so it's the 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 rest facilities on long haul airplanes are legal for the flight, but not legal for uh, for what would count as rest prior to operating a flight. Hmm. Um, yeah, so. I, I've no doubt they because of the COVID restrictions yeah. and them not being able to leave. Yeah. You can't just leave everyone on board. The only real yeah. option was to. Let them kill. I'm sure the CAA took a realistic attitude, and uh, it was probably left in the hands of the poor captain to go. <laughs> are you happy that the crew is sufficiently rested to fly on to Hong Kong? Uh, the guys are, you know, between the devil and the deep blue sea. There, <laughs> isn't they? If I say no, what does that mean? It's going to happen. <laughs> nah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just, exactly. just uh, weld the doors shut. We'll come right, back yeah. when COVID's over. <laughs> no, either that or the uh, or the uh, Manila airport is going to have a brand new airplane to practice their fire drills on. Albeit <laughs> 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 a bit more expensive, but uh, you know, yeah, my win-win. Liz is saying pajama party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it was an ordeal for sure, and uh, yeah, that's gonna. That's going to do it for at least, you know, they didn't crash and everybody survived. So, you know. Yeah. Um, all right. So that brings us to one of my favorite parts of the show, which is, of course, the getting to know us segment. And I'm not going to sing. We're just going to listen to this wonderful piano music playing that wonderful song from The King and I, Getting to Know You. And it's where we talk about what we've been doing since the last show which was last friday a week ago can you believe it a week has already passed yeah because my recorder was on for seven days <laughs> oh yes yeah, so you can believe it <laughs> and you have a gigabyte to prove it yep i deleted all that they should be oh, gone all right well i'm not going to go first this week because i did the last couple of weeks so who wants to start us off Nick does. Yeah, I'll start you off. Was, oh, okay. Rick does. Ah, no, Rick does. Or either, ah, either one. I was, my my mine wasn't that. My week wasn't that exciting. I just uh, so last Friday I was sitting exactly where I was sitting right now, except down the hall, 
in another room here in this beautiful hotel in downtown Fort Worth. And then uh, a, uh, f- uh, on uh, Saturday morning, went on down to Tampa. Uh, quick two hours there while they unloaded and loaded as a buck, uh, back up and then ended up in Rockford. And then the following day, uh, Rockford uh, back down to Ontario. And it was funny because um, I was um, it was my uh, FO's uh, leg down in Ontario. So when it's my uh, FO's leg and the weather's nice, I volunteer myself for the uh, walk around. And so uh, I did good. Yeah, you know, that's just how I roll. <laughs> uh, we've got a picture of uh, so Jeff generous. doing a walk around, actually. Yes, we yeah. have one. Yes, we do have yeah. one. Um, yeah. So when you were doing, so how do you tell when it says, oh, oh, look at that. Oh, there's there you Jeff go. doing Yeah, that's me around. doing my walk around <laughs> in my special outfit for my walk around. Those Acme <laughs> uniforms are so fancy. Yeah, they, they are very fancy. nice. Well, actually, yeah. Acme is looking at um, changing the uniforms and updating them. And this is one of the examples. I'm one of the test cases. And I, saw, right? I was uh, wearing I like that on the, the last trip. with your initial on it. Yeah, it's nice. It's fancy I like the feather and I'm particularly part Partial to the uh, eight stripes, you know, the on the and, on the, the, the more the monocle. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice monocle too. Yeah, I think the uh, the length of the feather is determined by the number of years of service. Of so that's exactly. why it's so long. Seniority, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a one, one inch per year. So right I was going to ask you, uh, Rick, um, how do you determine whose leg it is? Do you reach over and then touch the leg and go, okay, that's your leg? <laughs> well, exactly that's just that's not, how, not clear that, how that, that works that's how that works <laughs> but um no it's funny i used to have a uh, a captain that used to carry around a leg like from from a doll <laughs> and when it was your leg you'd actually hand it to you <laughs> i like that <laughs> you're gonna have to find a doll leg i present you this gift yeah is that a leg it's your yes, leg it's yours <laughs> it is yours it's yours for the flying <laughs> so um but anyway, I did the walk around, came back upstairs, you know, and and uh, and um, uh, Dean was doing his thing, you know, loading the box and everything. And I'm just, you know, signing paperwork and just kind of hanging out. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this it looked like a just a, a, a bug. Um, but up on closer examination, it turns out that it was a wasp. And I'm going, and, yeah, and we have about 15 minutes till we have to get out of there. And I'm going, no, we're not closing the door with this damn thing in here. Ah, uh, it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the solution to that is just leave some sort of door open all the time, and then the bugs come and go as they please. Yeah. <laughs> this is a common occurrence when I fly. And, and that reminded me of, of an instance down in that uh, we were doing a flight. Uh, we were coming through uh, uh, Brazil and, and Manaus in the middle of the jungle on a 777, and we had um, uh, not one, not two, but three wasps in there that we couldn't get rid of so uh and those are yeah those are amazona mm. amazonan uh, amazonian i guess uh, wasps. Amazonian? You, yeah, yeah you don't want to mess around with those, those yeah, are they sting you and you're dead yeah exactly yeah, like instant and then they take your wallet so yeah, you, know, <laughs> you don't you don't want that you don't want that at all so we finally got rid of this rack up thing. a huge credit card bill <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're dead but it's still it's yeah, but your er- your errors uh, would have to uh, take care yeah. of all that hassle. Settle that, yeah. exactly. Settle that out of court somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you see the the wasp sitting in court, you know, just pointing the finger at you. <laughs> 
wasn't but, me. It was the yeah, other one. Exactly. Well, the other. So <laughs> we finally got rid of the thing, and um, and um, we were able to you know leave on time because I was you know there was no way I was yeah because it's because it, just imagine I mean you're 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 going you're on on the takeoff run and you you know trying to you know press a button and the stupid thing happens to be somewhere and then it stings you and it's a critical phase of flight uh, uh, you know moments no, no, that's not yeah, exactly that's not good. So we got true rid of story. A uh, uh, acquaintance of mine in high school did one time drive their car off the road because of a spider that fell down off of the um, sunshade. You know, the sun was like in her face and she put it down and the spider went and she went ah! and yeah. off the road. I mean, the, the, uh, the startle factor is, is real. Absolutely. So we got rid of the thing finally, got to Ontario and then I uh, sat there for a day and then I uh, started out uh, the pattern again uh, back over to Rockford and then over here to uh, Alliance and then uh, finish out through Tampa, Rockford, Ontario and then I'm done. So that's going to be it. So that's uh, that's been my week. Not not very exciting, aside from the uh, little wasp episode. So. What? It's pretty exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. And who who had their hand up next for yeah, Nick. Nick? Oh, okay. Next. Um, yeah. Are you going to break the news? Uh, no, you can. Hey, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll start with the boring stuff. Um, okay. Well, not boring, actually. Uh, the subject of uh, the current set of plane tales, Mike Wildman, um, very nicely uh, came across, and uh, we went out to a lovely curry house. Uh, Jeff uh, and a lot of uh, the listeners know who've uh, been there before, the Mudjaban in my uh, local village, and had a very nice curry. So that was uh, brilliant. Lovely to see Mike again. Had a, uh, he said it would lovely, be lovely to get together and uh, chat about old times without a microphone between us. So <laughs> that was the aim. And we had lots too much beer and uh, brandies oh, no. and things. So Very uh, nice. You know, this morning I was not feeling 100%. Uh, but uh, anyway, that was, that was brilliant. Uh, my next piece of advice uh, is uh, if you have an iPhone and you're considering putting iOS 15 on, have a think before you stick it on because it appears to be fairly buggy. Um, mm. And uh, now uh, I feel like I've already done this. Face ID yeah, doesn't work on mine. On I'm going to have to take it into the damned Apple shop for them to play with it. So I'm going, oh, why did I bother doing that? No, you're not mine's, covering mine's the, you're already... not covering the camera with your thumb as you're doing that right now. That'll defeat the purpose. Thumb ID. Mine's already no. running iOS 15 and it's been just lovely. Mine's yeah, I, I'm sure it, it glitched yeah. on my phone for some yeah. reason. Anyway, that that's a, a oh, public, it doesn't work um, on the British ones. Yeah, <laughs> British phones. <laughs> Translation error. Translation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a public information broadcast. Uh, but much impor- uh, more important uh, is a little bit of news about the 500th show. Now, um, I uh, was <laughs> chatting. Whoa, look at that. Wow. Oh, that's a li- I like that. That's, that's nice. a nice. I mean, wow. Look at all those photos that you managed to stuff in Look those numbers collage yeah yes yeah, there are some interesting ones there, some good there? ones in there oh yeah 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 it's worth worth studying for a bit anyway um when we did the uh Ferex meetup uh the lovely phil who uh, was a scientist at the royal aircraft establishment was chatting to me and he, he said he'd love to talk to me about a um a, a project i was involved in um, called Joust, uh, which was a way of um, pitting uh, next-generation uh, fighters against each other 
to um, make a case for uh, you know what was then to become a Eurofighter or the Typhoon. Uh, so I, I uh, came down to the Royal Aircraft Station and worked with these guys for a, a few weeks, just the first in a series of um, trials they did. So uh, in chatting to him about that and saying, yeah, I'd love, I'm more than happy to come down and uh, do uh, what he called an oral history, but it's a little recording about uh, what went on then. Um, he, we discussed the 500th and, uh, he said, you know, we've got some locations here that you might want to use for the UK end of the 500th show. So, uh, having gone down there and taken a look because it's going to be an evening show, uh, we, uh, binned one idea, which was to use a sort of, uh, unheated uh, covered area but not particularly well lit uh, although it's nice and big and settled on um, a room in Trenchard House which uh, is uh, oh there it is look uh, this is the office of Lord Trenchard when he um, was the head of the uh, Royal Flying Corps and it was in this very office that he formed the Royal Air Force uh, back in 1918 so it's it's got enormous historic value and um the uh conference room uh, is uh over the top of the fast museum at um farnborough uh and uh, it's a brilliant museum it's got aircraft uh, exhibits around it not a huge number because it's not a not a very big space but lots of cockpits there in the museum they've got four simulators working simulators i think um these are uh you know not all moving all singing all dancing ones but you know they uh they mocked up cockpits and got visuals and flight controls and all that kind of stuff so uh, pretty good uh and i think they've got a spitfire and a concord and various other things and uh basically we've been offered the use of um uh, lord trenchard's old office to uh run the 500th show from and uh, those lucky ones that get a chance to attend uh, and either we're going to obviously have a small panel uh, of um, co-hosts at the UK end and uh, uh, the rest will be an audience uh, in around the room Uh, we're going to be able to have um, probably between 25 and 30 Uh, so um, you know it's going to be by uh, by application, I think probably is the best way to uh, address it. So if you're interested in coming to Farnborough, and it's going to be on the 3rd of December, and we're looking at a time that's almost, it's probably going to be uh, starting at 6 o'clock in the evening. The museum will be open in the afternoon if you want to come earlier and have a look around the museum. And then uh, come 6 o'clock, we'll go upstairs, perhaps have a little bit of uh, Uh, wine and cheese or some sandwiches or something and a bit of beer up there and uh, sit down and uh, record the show. Uh, Jeff will be doing something on his end of the Atlantic and I'm sure he'll mention the arrangements that are being formed over there but uh, it's going to be a a lovely place to conduct it so our thanks to uh, the Fast Museum at Farnborough uh, to Graham the uh, head curator and to Phil 
whose idea it was uh, for us and has done a lot of the organisation for us to go there. Uh, it's going to be absolutely brilliant and uh, really, really looking forward to that. Oh, and, of course, Nev, who's going to be doing all the audio-visual stuff. So, so he's not going to be enjoying <laughs> any of it. No, he's not. He's going to be sweating his poor heart out. We have to do out. something nice for him after the fact. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Special exactly. mirrors or something. Yeah. Now, you can't just get a golden ticket uh, to come to the UK version uh, just by writing in. You're going to have to do a little bit of legwork as well. So a couple of things we're looking to do is to play um, little uh, audio-visual, uh, audio or video... Um, video preferably. Moments, yeah. Uh, moments from the last 500 or 499 shows so if you have a favorite moment that you think we'll all like to see again uh, you know between four and five minutes say uh you know we don't want That's it to be too long uh then uh, send us an email to uh, feedback at lmpilotguide.com uh, and title it the uh, 500th uh, UK or something similar so we know what the subject is and then uh, tell us uh, what particular bit of our past uh, 499 shows you like and um, why you like it. And uh, most, most importantly, please give us the show number and the time reference of where you want the clip to be uh, extracted, uh, start and finish. And if you can, please, not just the YouTube uh, time reference, which will be different to the podcast, but both. Give us the podcast audio time reference and the YouTube uh, time reference and that will make our job of extracting it for the show uh, so much easier I think and it has right. to be written in in a quill and yes. of handwriting <laughs> and ceiling and we wax. will judge your handwriting uh, judge oh your yeah handwriting. absolutely yes. hey why don't we do this um i'll set up an email uh and you can use it right away because even before i set the thing up it'll still go to me 500 at airlinepilotguy.com 500 at or you can spell Super, it out yeah. 500 if you'd like, but I would prefer 500 at airlinepilotguy.com. And then I'll make sure that I set up that email address and it goes all into the right place. Uh, that's a great idea. That, yeah. That's a much better idea. Well done, Jeff. Uh, so, yeah, write to us. And um, the the best ones will be invited. Uh, and, um, and the others yeah, will be shunned. <laughs> yes, everyone. Ridiculed, everyone actually. Else ridiculed. Lock the gates and keep the rest of you out. <laughs> Yeah. They can have so, their own little get But, but the, the general public aren't going to be uh, at the museum. It's just going to be for the Airline Pilot Guy show. Uh, so it's quite an exclusive uh, visit. And uh, uh, I'm sure the staff of the museum will all be there to show you around. They've got some fantastic exhibits there, including uh, one of uh, Whittle's original uh, jet engines. They've got fantastic experimental wind tunnel models uh, for proposed Concorde designs. They've got all sorts of really good stuff. All the RAF helmets, uh, particularly those that uh, we started messing about with monocles and, uh, uh, you know, uh, helmet-mounted displays, all that kind of... There really is a wealth of uh, information and uh, fascinating little uh, things in this museum. And it's, it's very crowded, but great fun. You'll, you'll certainly have a good time. And then, of course, we can all uh, scream and yell and uh, make a mess of the... <laughs> The five hundred. Oh boy! <laughs> Are you uh, requesting volunteers to stay after to help clean up that mess? Uh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Now, just a point. Uh, already, a number of our friends uh, who have been invited to 
uh, be sort of uh, behind a microphone, uh, have booked themselves into the Aviator uh, Hotel, which is Ooh. very close. Thanks. So I hope that you're, you're not talking about like the PTUK people or the Plane Safety Podcast people. Uh, I'm might be. <laughs> oh no! I, I meant to talk to you before you met, made this announcement. Uh, Darn it! Uh, oh well. What are you gonna uh, do? What are you gonna do? So anyway, uh, if if uh, if you want to join a, a number of the other uh, people who are going to be there, um, you know, marvelously famous people like Pip um, and uh, and Adam. Adam, I was gonna say definitely actually Adam. Actually, is. <laughs> and, uh, Book yourself, uh, get yourself a room uh, at the Aviator, and uh, and uh, you can get a room. Drink, drink night away after the show is finished. Not to be outdone, over here on this side of the pond. Ooh, that's where the party is going to happen. Not to be outdone with your historical room. <laughs> we're we're having our venue at a place where Mister Billy Bob Parker signed the contract for the local. Uh, Popeye's fried chicken franchise at the Atlanta airport. <laughs> how about them apples? Yeah. Or how about suck on that? About ever. No, I'm just kidding about Billy Bob Parker. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> that sounded but, good. Yeah. And no one would ever fact check that. It. Yeah, I should have, I shouldn't have corrected that. Uh, no, it's true. Really true. Uh, so, uh, we, uh, just literally just a few days ago, I was, um, uh, some of pe some people suggested that we, uh, check into the, um, airline, the sister airline to Acme. Uh, they have a flight museum, uh, they're at the Atlanta international airport and, uh, they're all booked up and, and I'm kind of happy about that, uh, because it's, it wasn't cheap <laughs> either. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I was able to uh, secure a very, very nice location. Well, actually, it's not official, but I, it's almost there. Uh, the Renaissance Concourse Hotel, uh, for those of you familiar with the Atlanta airport, it's the hotel on the north side of the airport that is about halfway down runway um, 8 left, 26 right. Actually, not on the runway, though. It's off the runway, a safe distance. Um, not, in the middle, not in danger of being exactly. run over by an aircraft. But close Good. enough to kind of experience all the sights and sounds of the uh, of the operation there. It actually overlooks the new de-icing bay on the north side of the field. And uh, December 3rd, do you think we'll have any inclement weather that would not. require de -icing? I hope not, Steph, because when you have a de-icing situation at the Atlanta International Airport, it's, it's not good. Is it? not good. No, it's, not it's a meltdown, basically, <laughs> yeah. literally. Anyway, uh, so it's a it's a great room that overlooks uh, these beautiful plate glass windows overlooks all of that, and uh, that's where we'll be doing our half of the 500 celebration with our esteemed panel or whoever we can find. Um, <laughs> and uh, so December third, as we mentioned, so we're going to have to do it on the early side over here on this side of the pond, so that it's not you know in the middle of the night for those more time for UK. drinking. Yay. More time for drinking. Yay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just keep it going. <laughs> you guys will be tucked in. We're just partying it up. Yeah. So we're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be one of those days. I think. Uh, hopefully, not another another two hundred uh, <laughs> kind of thing. But Rick and I will. <laughs> Do oh, our no. best to make sure yeah, that that I happens. Know you will. I yeah, know absolutely. You will. Jeff, what's the capacity? Anyway, the, the capacity, Liz, thank you for asking, is uh, 50. 
folks. So, um, and I don't think we're going to have to do a golden ticket kind of deal uh, contest or anything like that. So we'll see uh, when people start uh, letting us know. Um, and I'm, I guess we'll have to do something to kind of uh, do an art SVP so we have some idea. Hey, that email address that was 500. Yeah, so 500. If you're planning on coming to the U.S. Um, side of things, yeah. just say um, just something to that effect. Right. And if you're going to be alone or with um, your significant other or family or whatever, uh, let us know. But that room, it's not a huge room, uh, but I don't anticipate it you know, being more than 50 folks. So we'll see how that goes. But we're going to have to start around 1 o'clock um, in the um, afternoon so that uh, we can accommodate the time differential with those who are on the other side of the pond. And so we'll record the show and then um, have some uh, some beer and wine and soft drinks and some hors d'oeuvres and that sort of thing. And uh, then we'll see what where it goes from there. So that's Friday, December 3rd. I'm sorry, what, Liz? Will there be rooms available in the Rooms. Hotel? Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, we have contracted for a um, their best rate. You might be able to find a better rate on your own. Um, but um, we'll have all that information as soon as we have the links and all that kind of stuff for you to book a room at the Renaissance Concourse. And the hotel, if you're not familiar with it, is it's almost like a pyramid looking thing. It's kind of a kind of at an angle and all the rooms, well, not all the rooms, but a lot of the rooms in the hotel overlook the airport. And I think, I think they said maybe a $10 upcharge yeah. uh, from the regular rate. Upcharge. I'm not sure uh, if that's actually accurate yet because I haven't talked with the, uh, the lady coordinating this with me yet, but um, there is a way to ensure that you have a room that you know has a balcony and overlooks the uh, the airport and the runways and that kind of thing. If you're interested in that, and uh, so as I said, we'll uh, have all that information hopefully soon, some by the next show. Hopefully, in fact, I was waiting. In fact, that telephone ringing earlier in the show, I think, may have been uh, the the lady from the hotel. Um, calling to answer some questions that we had. Jeff Jett says yep. he'll bring some coffee. Ooh, invite the Jet Fuel Java guy. He'll bring coffee. That's a good idea. Wait a minute. That is the You're guy. Invited. <laughs> You're invited. You're invited. Good news. He looks just like you. That, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we have an IFPA Fuel Java guy? Yeah, we should. Yeah. That was Captain Al at the 200. Yeah, episode. Captain Al <laughs> yes. did the trick at the 200 for sure. I mean, every yeah, time I, I took a sip of my beer, it was full. <laughs> I don't know how that worked. <laughs> it's Al, a miracle. Al managed that. Yeah, it was a, it was a miracle. It was a miracle I'm, I'm I actually... That, uh, let me see. I'm sorry. It's a miracle I lived that, after that. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Come on. We just had to carry it. Wait, there's going to be a few good clips from the 200, actually, that oh, we can no, play I on the 500. Not. Well, yeah, we'll, I, we'll, I'm the we'll judge make, of what we play at the 500. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure we uh, we, we rent a wheelbarrow this time so we can uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be easier easier on our backs. <laughs> you know, we are you know five years older, so, uh, yeah. so the old knees are not what they used to be. Uh, That's true. That's true. Anyway, we're I looking hear, forward to I hear to that Neville is, gonna, is, is looking at coming to the uh, U.S. one. says so it's going to be less stressful. So, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll have you're a much welcome. better time now. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome over, Neville. It's, uh, it's Come on over. Quitter, quitter. <laughs> Tim Van Ram thinks we need to be serving ah, go around a cylinder. Serving go around a cylinder with those old clips. Yeah, we'll have to have a good supply of that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You never know what you might see. <laughs> 
Okay, so we're very excited, as you can tell, uh, that uh, we're going to be able to make this occasion a, memora- a memorable one. And yeah, hopefully. Oh, yeah. And if you've got any burning questions that you think the crew or the panel on each side of the Atlantic uh, would like to answer, and not just what's your favorite color, but. Or what's your favorite uh, airplane? Screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favorite airport? Some some funny ones, uh, then please fire those in as well. And that may help you get a UK golden ticket in, as well, you know, wow. if they're good enough. That uh, yes, has come up, and we yes. ha- I, I have a plan in place for this. What are you I talking about, I have not informed Steph? Captain Al yet, but chicken nugget eating contest. We can't have a... No, uh, we can't have a, a major APG event show. without yeah. a nugget eating contest. So <laughs> there is going to be... Some version of it. I have an idea for it. (laughs) It can't be in person between the two of us, most likely. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know what we should do, Steph. We should get a bunch of chicken nuggets. Yeah. Blend them and you drink them as a protein shake. (laughs) Blow them out of the water. (laughs) Pour the sweet and sour. I could probably consume a lot. Yeah. Mix it all together. It's a sweet and sour chicken smoothie. There you go. (laughs) Yum. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, and on that appetizing note, <laughs> yes, and we'll uh, we have what six? Let's see, this is t- ninety four, so we have like five more shows, six more, sh- five more shows between now and then, and we'll be talking about the details of this as we get closer and closer. And will we post to that it on day. the website too? Absolutely. Will we post it on the website, Liz? I guess we will. Yeah. <laughs> just add that to my list. Yeah, that was the. That was the well, it's already got out on the social media, so we'll just keep. Pumping it out there, so eventually yeah. Mix everyone charge. will find out about it. <laughs> I'll no take care way. of it. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll we'll put a special page for the 500th on the um, on the website uh, for information, um, links, and all that stuff. So, <sighs> anyway, it's going to be fun. So hopefully Steffi. you'll be able to join us and take part in that fun. And Steffi. let's see what we haven't, else. We haven't had Steffi. Yet. Well, I know I have just something oh, else okay. before we go okay. to Steph. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, let's see. I uh, between the last show and this show, I was I did two trips, two two day trips that I picked up. Uh, one with an Omaha layover and one with a short Houston uh, airport layover, and, uh, and that's probably going to be it. The day of the crash. Uh, I did not fly in the day of the crash, Liz. I was there before the crash happened, so they can't pin it on me. As, as much as they'd like to try. But um, anyway, um, just wanted to talk. Uh, if you'll find that overlay of the last cover art and throw that up there, Liz, that'd be great. And it should be in order right near the... Okay. Uh, she's trying to find her computer. That's what's taking so much time. Uh, there it is. Okay. The dogs run off. With yeah. it. <laughs> That's our cover art from 493. And the title of the show was Jeff's Big Green Banana Bridge. And of course, you'll remember the inspiration for that uh, was, well, at least twofold. One, the um, 737 without the tail fin uh, being transported and getting stuck under that pedestrian bridge in India. And of course, it was not nothing to do with air india right or the airport mm. <laughs> it was all like uh, everyone everyone washed their hands of the responsibility yes, whatsoever yes it didn't and, even happen in india 
as you can see. And the banana aspect of the thing was we were talking about the flight management systems that have the what I call the green banana, but I don't know what the actual what's the real name of that, Nick. Altitude I mean, Rick, range arc. The the what? Altitude range arc. Altitude range arc. Yes. I, I refer to it as the green banana. And so that's how we got the big green banana bridge. So uh, very clever. Thank you very much for that brilliant artwork. Once again, Captain Nick, uh, you, you did you recognize the face? I did recognize the face. Ah, okay, good. And I pinched that face from a previous piece of artwork. So, but I'm trying to figure out why is, um, is Rick, um, a banana angel? I know. It's like uh, I've been turned into a smoothie or something. What happened? Well, well like I, I rest in peace. It, I had a, yeah. a spare piece of uh, real banana. estate in the artwork. <laughs> spare and I, I needed to stick something in it. So <laughs> okay. Rick, Rick's, Rick was all, is also a green banana lover. So I no, thought, uh, okay. I am. I really am. It, okay. uh, actually, it came in real, ha- uh, real handy coming in there yesterday and just flying the whole thing on vertical speed. Just imagine that energy. You know, it's just. Comes in handy. It's just playing like with your green banana. Exactly. Yes. Just don't yeah. let anybody and, see and, it. And pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Guppy. Anyway, what what made you think it was Rick? It was actually Rolls Royce. Oh, I thought it was. I thought that was uh, Rick's initials. That's Rolls Royce. Oh. No, I'll be joking. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you're you're easily fooled. I am very easily. <laughs> uh, Gubby in Ottawa. Uh, again, uh, he's uh, mentioning that he would like to organize a meetup up there, an APG meetup in Ottawa. And uh, I don't think we've received. I'm hopefully, I'm Not hoping yet. that he has received something. His uh, email address is Huey H U E Y M I E no M E I S T E R Huey Meister at hotmail dot com. We'll put that in the show notes uh, to contact him regarding um, the uh, potential. APG meetup in Ottawa. So keep us and the, posted there, Gubby. Pardon me. Keep us posted, Gubby. Gubby needs to keep us posted. Oh yes, Gubby needs to keep us posted. I think I need to turn up the volume because I'm barely hearing Liz. Okay. I just didn't want everybody else to hear her as well. So here we go. She's up a little bit. Okay, that's all I had. So now, without delay and further ado it is time for stuff to tell us what's been going on how many marathons did you run yeah. between yeah really last um, show? Not today between now and Just last today none none but I have a 5k tomorrow slacker. oh yeah slacker at the listen. airport actually <laughs> the charlotte oh. airport has their uh, annual oh. 5k on the runway run in the morning oh, excellent Mm-hmm. Now, is be... this with carry-on or without carry-on? <laughs> I think that's optional. So I'm not sure if okay. I paid extra for a carry-on All this right. time around or not. I'll have to double-check my ticket and see. Good question. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it should be good. It should be nice weather. It's going to be a little on the warm side, actually. The last few times I ran it, it was quite chilly in the morning. But um, eh, I don't know. Let's see. 55 degrees tomorrow morning. So that's not too bad. Perfect for running. Anyway, what have I been up to? We did... No, you guys recorded part two of the show on Friday last week, correct? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah, boys only. I was confused for a moment. I was like, why don't I remember that on Friday? And why do my, I'm looking back through my photos to remind myself what I've done in the past week, because without that, I can't really remember. Um, I've just reached that age in life, I suppose. (laughs) Um, And here I am on the toilet. Oh, not supposed to share that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's some sensitive things in there. We'll leave those those out of the family show. Okay. 
uh, <laughs> no, I um, got a call or actually a text message late on Thursday night. Um, I was planning on flying as usual last weekend. Um, but I got a, a message saying, hey, another drop zone in North Carolina. Um, looks like they're going to need a plane for the weekend because theirs is in their 100-hour maintenance and is not going to be back on time. Um, would you be available if needed to take our caravan um, up there just outside of Raleigh and do some flying for them over the weekend? And I said, yeah, I think I could do that. I'll be around. Um, so on Friday, I actually went down um, to the drop zone to pre-flight the plane after they finished flying it for the day because they mentioned, oh, the winds are going to be kind of questionable in the afternoon on Saturday, so we'd like to start as early as possible. Um, can you be here for an 8 o'clock start? Oh, it's kind of early. Don't really want to do all my pre-flight in the dark and have to fuel by myself and blah, blah, blah. So I was actually down at the drop zone on Friday evening doing all of that. Um, and then I got up on Saturday morning only to discover that the weather here was gorgeous, but the weather up there was 200 overcast and like a quarter mile visibility. So <laughs> I did not get there gorgeous. for eight o'clock. Cat one minimum. Perfect. Yeah. Lovely. Mm. Um, our caravan doesn't, doesn't, well, that would not be a good idea. Mm. Anyway, not, and not only that, they're not going to be jumping in it, so there's really no reason to rush up there. So yeah, you, you um, don't parachute IMC? No. Uh, that'd be sporty. Definitely not. Yeah, be, I think it'd be less stressful. You don't see the <laughs> ground rushing. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, that's what I would do. Yeah, well, that's cool. Blissful, blissful. Just floating uh, around. Quick uh, end. Splat. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Visual conditions are definitely preferred. <laughs> okay. Um, but the goal was to kind of time it so that I would get there and be able to just meet them for their first load. And then we would run a bunch of loads in a row and hopefully get all of their tandem business and some of their fun jumpers up before the winds became too problematic in the afternoon. So I think I was finally able to get there around, around 1030 in the morning. Um, the winds were already pretty uh, significant. Um, especially at altitude. So getting over there, it was, it's normally about an hour flight. It took me 48 minutes. So that Ooh. was, yeah, that was interesting. Um, speed. Yeah. Nice tail. Wind. Nice, yeah, nice tail. That's what you said. She said. I don't know. Um, somebody did. Somebody yeah, did. It depends. But um, pretty familiar with this air, uh, this particular airport. Um, it's actually where we take our aircraft for uh, maintenance. Uh, so we're up there relatively frequently. But there's also a drop zone there. They do a lot of flight instruction, including helicopter instruction. And I got there on Saturday morning, and um, the Civil Air Patrol was out there doing glider flights as well. <laughs> like great mm. this is gonna be a fun day um because normally the drop zone i'm at it's pretty quiet other than what we're doing um occasional ga traffic but most of the other uh the flights are ours so this was a you know just different um definitely busy definitely a lot more going on um in the airspace one runway um on saturday the winds did get quite strong in the afternoon i want to say they were gusting up to 32 at one point. So I think by the time I got there, we turned six loads and then had to shut down for the day. And then it started raining too. So we didn't finish anything beyond that. But then on Sunday, got out there, nice quiet morning, no more gliders, no more helicopter instruction going on. Um, but the winds were still a little bit strong. Um, their runway is 523. And the winds all day long were 320 degrees, 10 to 20 knots. So hmm. direct crosswind. Lots of fun practice. Yay, practice. Yeah, it was good practice. It was fun for me. Um, it didn't look quite as fun for some of the, the tandems, especially in the stronger winds, mm. but it was under their limits and yeah. they completed the day safely. They didn't have a lot of business that yeah. day, so I think we did seven loads 
and then I flew back. Do you have to go to... pick them up uh, three towns over, or uh, did they all land in the same airport? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, they all landed. <laughs> so the, the first day, Saturday, when I got there, they they so normally where I fly, uh, myself and the other pilots and some of the ground crew were all pretty instrumental in coming up with the spot. So where are we going to actually set up the GPS to turn on the green light and allow people to get out of the plane? And um, <clears throat> I got there and they said, oh, we already determined the spot. We want this. And I said, oh, okay. Are you sure? <laughs> they said, yep. I said, okay, you know the area better than me. Um, I would do something slightly different. And then we did the first load. Everyone did make it back, but some people were kind of not as close to the, the um, desired landing zone as, as they'd like to be. So they yeah. immediately changed the spot to what I thought was a little bit more appropriate. Just my... Since you just listen to you from the get-go, what the hell's wrong with these people? Did you get nah, 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 nah. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> Walk around with I a mean, tool. I mean, it was going to work. So it just look, we could do a little bit day. better. And then as the winds picked up, we you know, and, and things changed throughout the day anyway. So as the winds picked up, change direction, um, we adjust things as needed. So that ended up happening a couple times, even just over six loads. I think I sent a picture to the crews. I think we had fifty-one knots of headwind at altitude, which is quite a lot actually at um 13,000 feet um and my ground speed on jump run was like 50 knots so moving very slowly across the ground wow yeah uh, what was your airspeed uh, airspeed uh yeah actually a little less than that um cool. it wasn't a direct headwind at that point so the airspeed was actually more like 80 oh cool. okay yeah um just because of how their landing zone is, I was crabbing a little bit into that to make sure people stayed on the correct side of the, the wind line with some of the um, airport structures and the runway and things like that. Um, flew back on Sunday. I thought maybe I talked to Alpha Golf, AG, heard of that guy, on the way back as I transited that no. mystical triad airspace. Sure. Um, but turns out it was not him. Had confirmation that it was not. I was oh. listening and thinking, that kind of sounds like him. And then I should have asked, and then I didn't. So then I asked after the fact. I said, no, it wasn't me. Okay. Um, and then what did I do? Oh, one last thing I want to bring up, and then we can, can move on. Um, normal, work, uh, normal week of work up until yesterday. I got home, and I had a um, box uh, package, and the address was from Hamburg, Germany. Oh, hmm. well, that's interesting. I was not expecting anything from Hamburg. We don't know anybody there, but I actually, so we'll get to who it's from in just a moment. I have a running friend from Hamburg, Germany. So I was thinking, oh, would he have some, something to me? That's odd. Um, but it was not from him. It was from one of our listeners, Stefan. We've uh, talked about him on the show before. He, um, I believe he sent some very nice bottles of gin previously to both Jeff and Nick. He, he is our official ABG uh, drug. Gin um, purveyor. Drug. Drug. <laughs> purveyor Wait, of gin, alcohol. Gin drug now. <laughs> drug fisher. Yeah. No. Gin, gin supplier, I think. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. Mother's ruin. Yeah. But anyway, he did not send me gin. He sent uh, beer. Woo! Ooh, ooh, uh, nice. Which I'd prefer over the gin anyway. So let me make sure you can see this. Okay. I have not opened it yet for... Um, I'll read the part of the letter here in just sealed. a second. He sent a very nice nice letter, but um, yeah. Well, the reason it's sealed so much is because it came from a craft brewery and it does not have... Um, maybe it's not... Uh, the packaging is not optimized for air travel um, or travel by mail. I know it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
opened it. He sampled it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, in there, not water. Just refill it. Wow, this isn't very good. I'll send it to Steph. <laughs> so, he sent me a a very nice letter on this interesting letterhead with the map on the back. I um, love it. And the even the envelope is like the. Uh, uh, it must be the. Um, just the legend for all the different, uh, oh, neat. you know, like you'd find on a sectional or something, but it's oh, all in German. So, oh. so I don't, oh, actually, no, it's not all in German. It's in German, mm. English, and oui. uh, French, apparently. So, yeah, very cool. Very nice. Um, but just uh, quickly regarding just the, the beer in here, because I want to mention that, he said, um, this is our A380 Fleet Farewell beer, two types, one, mm, I don't know how to pronounce this, Hells, Hellas, and one Oktoberfest uh, with the blue label at the top. Think you'll like it as a beer connoisseur. I do recommend to test it prior to drinking, since it's not conserved like in a beer or like a beer in a store. Um, but I also recommend to drink it soon for the same reasons. So I will try that tonight, Stefan. Thank you. Tonight, yes, I was going to. Well, say. at least one of them tonight. Open I can't it. drink drink both. Tonight. <laughs> can you bring the other one to the five hundred together at the same time? Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> bring it to the five hundred. Anyway, I do want to mention that that was very kind and thoughtful. Yeah, of Liz you, is Stephen suggesting that you bring it to the five hundred. So. No, uh, no, he specifically okay. said that I need it to drink it soon. It would have gone off by then. Mm -hmm. oh, six weeks yeah, it'll, uh, Sorry. Okay. Going to have to drink it this tonight and this weekend, I think. Yeah, it'll grow legs and it'll start walking around the house. You know, like you don't want to yeah. see a bottle yeah. walking yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little disappointed yeah. in you. Well, I asked you last you're show that when you, when your podcast on Run Chats... With, uh, I've just been busy. Oh, Ron, and I forgot all about it. I didn't even mention out. that. Yeah, yeah. Run chats so with I did that. Uh, at Ron runs NYC. NYC. Meet Doctor Stephanie Plummer, doctor by day, pilot, skydiver, world traveler, big adventure junkie, and co-host of the Airline Pilot Guy Show, an aviation podcast. Thanks yes. for putting that little <laughs> blurb in there. The, That's the great. Plug so, yep. so the the funny thing is, we were talking. So a lot. Like often happens as we're doing our show and we're talking a little bit before we actually start recording. And then you think you've said something on the show and you didn't actually manage to say it when it was recording. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't personally plug the show when we were recording, even though we talked about it and mentioned it. And we both hit, you know, end on the recording. And then we went, oh, that wasn't in there. Shoot. That's okay. He's like, it's okay. I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the intro where it'll be fresh in everyone's mind. Very nice. Um, Very nice. Yeah. So he was oh, nice. Julie liked very much like the mention of her... Um, Steak and mm. kidney. Yes. So yeah, thank you. For it was that. very good, and like I said, I I'd not had it before, but we will. I, knew I, was, <laughs> we will, I knew I was going to love it. You you really should listen to the show. It's great, oh, and it's of funny. course, yeah, Steph absolutely. is awesome, and uh, you'll enjoy every minute of it. And, and he, this guy, he's he's very high energy. I love it. He Ron is one of the most high energy people I have ever met in my life. In, yeah. in a great way. Well, um, I think you you rivaled him for high energy stuff. You were yeah, really yeah. We were we were both coming great. off the, that high of having run a couple of marathons in a week's time, and yep. uh, yeah, he's he's a great guy. He's a good yep. friend. But yeah, definitely check that out. Thank you for reminding me. I'm sorry I can't keep you track are. of what's happened when in my I life. Know. That's why I'm just kidding. I'm not. I really even made notes. Um, yeah. Yeah. He'll he'll no. forgive me. I, I didn't want. I just he's, wanted to make sure we put that in there and have it in our show notes so that people can listen because they'll be just. Really, it is uh, episode yeah, 50, 55 of blown Run away. Chats with at Ron Runs NYC, which is his Instagram. Rolls right off the top. Uh, it does. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the catchiest <laughs> podcast title I've ever heard. <laughs> Actually, look, he uh, he gave me one of his hats, too. Oh, look at that. 
No, you should have just worn adjusted that. it for my yeah for, for my your for your headset. Ponytail. Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. Look at that. Very, Very nice. nice. Yeah, you could get two of you in that hat, couldn't you? <laughs> well, you know, it, it came out of the packaging, yeah, and I haven't had a chance good. to kind of. You got to mold uh, these things to your head a little bit more. It. Yeah, but, you know, she likes to wear those caps over her her big um, headphones and stuff. So this know, is true. This one actually work. would be good. I could wear it over my my headset. Yep, that'll work great. <laughs> it's a good look. You, you absolutely need something in the caravan because. Before about ten o'clock in the morning, and after about three o'clock in the afternoon, if you don't have something about to hear, you can't see anything because it's just yeah. light in your eyes. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. All right. That's going to do it for our getting to know us segment, and that means now we're going to get into the acknowledgement of those fine people that uh, send us financial support. And we call it the Coffee Fund. And here we go. Johnny, how much more coffee? Sure thing. Don't mind if I do. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. That is Jeff Smith. The podcast jingle master of all masters. And uh, he's singing the APG version of the Java Jive, which is better than the original, I think. Anyway, the reason why he's singing it is because we're going to talk about the Coffee Fund cadre, the Coffee Bar Club, those people that uh, send their financial support. And a couple different ways to do that. One is the Coffee Fund Classic Method. Since the last episode, we have... Five folks that contributed, Mazuts Karim, David Lieb, Chris Randall, Eugene Hurt, and Jenny Parkinson. Mazuz was in the uh, chat earlier. I don't oh, Mazuz was in the chat earlier, according to the control room. Hopefully uh, he's still there. Thank you, sir, for your very generous contributions. And uh, the other way to do it is to become a patron of the show via Patreon. And we don't have any new patrons since the last episode. And that's okay, because, you know, we do this show even if nobody gave us a dime, because we love it and you so much. But if you feel compelled, head over to AirlinePilotGuy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. We will too. Captain, incoming message. All right, time for feedback. And we are going to start off with... Texas and LaShock. He says, found another one. What is he talking about? He says, been going all over the place again. And in the thriving metropolis of liberal Kansas, I discovered the house that Dorothy lived in, actually a local history museum made to look like the house from the movie and the mid America air museum located on what was once the liberal army airfield and using one of the original hangars as a display room. They have a surprisingly large collection of aircraft packed into that space. There is quite a bit about the history of the airfield, which was originally home to squadrons of B-24 Liberators, although its earliest inception came from the Royal Air Force, probably for training purposes. Maybe Captain Nick can tell us about his time there. 
Uh, no, he didn't say that. Maybe Captain Nick can shed some light on that. But if the RAF wanted to build training bases in the Midwest, I imagine it was for the same reason the U.S. Air Force did and why new pilots from around the world came for years after. Wide open spaces with fairly agreeable weather. They had a map of many, no, excuse me, they had a map of Army airfields, and there were a lot of, a lot scattered across Texas and the Plains, Plains states, like chocolate sprinkles. The RAF dropped the idea before anything was built, but do you know if they ever had any stateside bases back in the day? Do we know? Uh, well, they uh, they certainly trained lots of uh, Air Force, RR, Royal Air Force uh, pilots in the United States. Um, it was called the Arnold Scheme, um, which was named after General Henry Arnold, the uh, Chief of the United States uh, Army Air Forces. Uh, and um, they ran these uh, flying training units between about 1941 and about 1943. Uh, and there were a number of them, and we put a lot of pilots through, but they were, uh, uh, particularly before the United States joined the Second World War, uh, all the RAF pilots learned that they never wore uniform. It was They always wore civvies, um, and uh, a lot of the schools uh, were military flying training schools and civilian schools. They were a mixture, so the... Um, you know, they uh, just basically, this was a way to uh, enhance the uh, number of pilots uh, from all around the Commonwealth um, that were on, on you know, the side of the Allies during the war. Um, enhance the number of pilots they were training and try and beef up the uh, number that could fight in the, uh, you know, in the UK at that time. Um, there were equivalent schemes uh, going on uh, as well. The um, Imperial... Uh, flying training system that uh, became sort of the Commonwealth or the uh, mainly flown in the Dominions, so Canada and uh, um, you know South Africa and uh, out in the Caribbean places like that, uh, where schools uh, could where we could safely train um, uh, more RAF pilots uh, away from uh, the United Kingdom, where it was a lot safer, uh, and then bring them over and you know put them into uh, action. But yes, there were, certainly in the US, that there, there were no specific RAF bases like there are USAF bases in the UK, but uh, they, they trained alongside um, American pilots. Very good. All right, he continues. Otherwise, a lot of it has to do with Cessna and Beach, the two major aviation companies from Kansas. So there are a number of their aircraft, including a Beach 2000 Starship, and uh, there he is. And that futuristic pusher prop plane that never really took off. Well, I mean, it did. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so only a little over 50 were built. Maybe that's why they never built more because it didn't take off. And, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. you got to have an airplane that takes off. Yeah, you know. It's kind it's of a, a useless airplane. Yeah, really. Way. Kind of the point. <laughs> Eventually, Beach bought up all of them and either destroyed them or put them on display. Other interesting aircraft included a Vought F4U Corsair night Ooh, fighter with the favorite. radar dome wow. on the right wing, a rear one 8135 Cloudster in Pan American Airways markings, ha. one of their early airmail planes, and a three-quarter sized replica of a P-51. 
There are also sections for a couple of local aviators, one of them former Air Force Chief of Staff General Larry Welch and Major Gerald French, an Air Force pilot who saw action in Korea and Vietnam. After leaving, he went to American Airlines, where he eventually retired flying the MD-80. The most surprising thing I found there wasn't actually part of the museum. Parked off to the side is an old FedEx 727 that has clearly seen better days. When I, when I asked about it, the museum staff said it wasn't theirs, um, and it wasn't Air India's either. They contacted them. They said yeah. it wasn't ours. Uh, Some other outfit had acquired it for use as a classroom, and but ran into roadblocks with zoning and other red tape until they ran out of money. Since then, it's just been sitting there idle. A real shame, in my opinion, since it seems like it's just going to waste away there. Anyway... Uh, he said uh, he added those pictures, which we Ooh. saw on the um, on the uh, video version of the Ooh, uh, Tomcat podcast. Yeah, so we're looking yeah. at a an F four and a Tomcat and a T thirty eight T thirty eight Talons Douglas. All right, this is Texas and Lashok signing off. Thank you, Texas and Lashok, for the report. The Liberal Air Museum. Right across town from the conservative air museum. Yeah. They don't really like each other very much. They don't left, like each other. It's yeah. on the left yeah. side of town. <laughs> the left side yeah. of town, yeah. On the left side of town. Anyway, uh, let's uh, continue on with some audio feedback um, from JJ Pittsburgh. And he says, hi there. I was a little long-winded on this one, so I just recorded the audio on my own rather than through SpeakPipe which actually we prefer, JJ, so take it away. Greetings, APG community. It's JJ Pittsburgh. Um, first of all, thank you for all the feedback on travel tips to London. I'm still, it's still up in the air, literally, that I'm <laughs> that if I'm going or not. But um, if I don't go on this specific trip, I will eventually. So I do appreciate those tips. Thanks to Dr. Steph and Stefan for that. Um, also a few shows ago, I don't remember how many shows it's been cause you guys pump out the shows pretty quickly, but, uh, the, there was a, one of the JJ's in the APG community, um, submitted feedback and they called themselves JJ, not Pittsburgh. And I really, I appreciate the, uh, tip of the cap to me. Um, all the JJ's out there in the community, we do have to stick together. So I really appreciate that, um, the fact that you actually maybe have heard some of my feedback and, and everything. But what I was thinking is for next year, we should get all the JJs in the APG community to have a meetup, if it's possible. I think that would be fun and also funny. So anyway, if any of the JJs out there would like to do this and we could try to plan something, we could find a central location to all meet up maybe at some point next year, uh, email me at jjslug at gmail.com because there are quite a few JJs in the community and I don't, I can't even keep track of all of them. I know there was a JJ in Wisconsin, maybe one in um, Oklahoma. I can't remember. But anyway, I appreciate that and that would be kind of a fun idea. As far as my email address, jjslug at gmail.com, I do have to address that the slug in my email address was because my co-host and really good friend back in the day, I've known him since high school, 
we did a public access show called JJ Slug Show. We were just we just did a lot of goofy stuff on that show, um, and he's no longer with us. He's been he passed away maybe twelve years ago at this point. So I really miss him. And that slug in the email address, in case anyone was curious what that was all about, that's a shout out to him. And I um, just figured I'd mention that because he would really appreciate me submitting all the feedback to this great podcast. He loved radio. He loved this type of for, format, you know, being able to um, meet the community. That's what we kind of did on our show. We were, um, it was like a community type thing. We got people to submit emails and stuff, and it was nowhere near the community this is, but same kind of idea. We j- just wanted to reach people. So I just wanted to give him a shout out, and he would appreciate, he, he would be, <coughs> excuse me, love, he would love hearing me on this show anytime I submit feedback, and he'd really appreciate it. So anyway, thanks guys once again for the tips. And yeah, email me all the JJs because we do have to stick together. Peace and love, peace and love. All right, peace and love, sir. And uh, so nice what you're doing for Slug. And I'm sure that uh, wherever he is, hopefully right up there somewhere, he's, he's watching and listening to uh, all the stuff that you're doing, JJ. Absolutely. And another thing, if you're going to do a meetup, make sure you're all wearing name tags because uh, yeah. we, we need to know who's JJ, exactly. and JJ, who's JJ and JJ and JJ, <laughs> not Pittsburgh. Name tags are important. Yeah. So, now, can uh, a JP attend? Because I'm a JP. No? No. no. I've got to be a JJ. Yes. Dang it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a great idea, actually. Uh, very funny, too. I hope that you guys actually do get together. And any other JJs out there that haven't sent in feedback... Uh, you can attend as well. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But that isn't the last of JJ. That is not the last of JJ. You're right, Liz. Uh, we move on to this. And, uh, well, I'm just not even going to introduce it. I'm just going to start playing this feedback, and it'll be self-explanatory. So here we go. Well, hello, APG community. Have you heard this voice in a while? You just did, actually. I saw somebody over there in San Francisco, our buddy Tin Van Ram. Well, guess what? I have the opportunity to make another recording because as I was sitting at home today, I got this random text, and I looked at the, the conversation. Now, mind you, my phone just recently broke, so I didn't have all the names reloaded, and I kind of judged by the conversation I was having who the person was. And that person said to me, well, you know what? I happen to be in Atlanta. You off today? I said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, I am. I've got a lot going on because I'm only home for one day this week. And I said, well, if this is who I think it is, why don't you come on over? He said, oh, I'll gladly come over. I was hoping to meet you for some for a late lunch. I said, well, you want to know what? You know how I am. I'm hospitable. I love to have people over my house, and I love cooking for people. So he described what he wanted to eat. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I can make that. So without further ado, I want to say and, and welcome the person that I'm talking about on the, on the recording, and he's going to say hello, but it's none other than J.J. from Pittsburgh. Hey, APG community. It is J.J. Pittsburgh, and yes... Dana did prepare an amazing meal, and I am all fueled up for my 
short little 11 hour drive back to Pittsburgh. Um, but it was worth it because to see Dana again was great. Um, we were able to catch up a little bit and I am a person all about randomness. I never would imagine I would have ended up in the Atlanta area. And, um, I picked up a lift ride from Chattanooga (laughs) to Hartsfield Jackson airport, none other than, and I had to reach out to Dana to say, Hey, what's going on? Let me stop by for a moment. But anyway, it was amazing and it's always great to see Dana and it's always great to um, keep in touch with the APG community. So I'll give it right back to Dana. Thanks. Well, hello, community. It's amazing how things work out sometimes and absolute pleasure to uh, host JJ here at the house and uh, enjoy a very nice, pleasant afternoon on our back deck reminiscing about uh, all things aviation and talking about uh, how things are going for me on the 737 and considerations that I have going on. So it's all good. We're all happy and uh, life is grand. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye for now and send it back to the studios and Jeff. Bye-bye. Great to see you, Dana, JJ, Dana, and JJ Pittsburgh. Absolutely, and I'm jealous because Dana is is a great chef, and he cooks some fantastic food, so I'm sure you had a great meal. Mm -hmm. And you know that deck that they're uh, in the picture that we were uh, showing, and we'll have that in the podcast um, uh, chapter images and also in our show notes if you want to look. That deck that they're standing on for that photo, that selfie, is the same deck that has that wonderful green, big green egg that makes such wonderful smoked stuff. Mm. So I'm wondering if if that's what he fixed. He didn't, they didn't tell us what they, I know it was a mystery. What did, what, what was that wonderful meal? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Rabbit food. Yeah. I'm sure some salad. (laughs) Lettuce. Lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. Grilled lettuce. Exactly. Actually grilled lettuce lettuce is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Grilled lettuce is. (laughs) I had some last night. Anyway, well, on purpose. Yes, it's good. Have you ever had a grilled Caesar? A grilled Caesar salad yeah, like is the big really, really good. Romaine, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it is, it's, good. It is very tasty. Very tasty. Thank you. Anyway, uh, well, we have some more audio feedback, and this is from Chris Marsh. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead it's and hit one. the play button, and it is. Uh, Eight minutes and 18 seconds. So, crew, if you need to go and recharge your drinks or do whatever, anything, uh, now's the time. Here we go. Hello to the APG crew and to my fellow virtual passengers. It's Chris Marsh checking in with you on what is an unusually warm October day here in my corner of the UK. Like the rest of you, I'm sure... I was pleased to hear the recent news that the transatlantic routes are reopening for leisure trips. It was that news, along with the request from JJ Pittsburgh for transatlantic flying tips, which prompted me to leave this bit of feedback. My experience of transatlantic flying now goes back quite a long way. In fact, I've kept a log of all my commercial passenger flights over the years, so I can pin that first flight across the pond down to exactly the 24th of March, 1984. 
It was a London Gatwick to Atlanta flight on a Delta L-1011, also known as the TriStar. The Lockheed TriStar. An aircraft which I know is familiar to Captain Jeff, even though he, of course, flew them for Acme. Over the years, I've crossed the Atlantic with a range of other carriers too. Virgin, Air New Zealand, Aer Lingus, BA, and even an amazing flight with a French operator, La Compagnie, from Luton to Newark, on a fully business class configured 757, with only a dozen other passengers on board. Most commonly though, my flights have been on American Airlines, recently on 777s and 767s. I consider myself fortunate also to have the, had the opportunity to fly a number of times on the 747. Wherever you stand on the Boeing Airbus divide, it was undoubtedly the 747 that really created transatlantic tourist travel as we know it today. Back in the days when you were allocated a seat at the airport check-in, my policy was to ask for a window seat as far forward as possible. Before the days of extended business class, even in economy this would normally get me a seat forward of the wing. Once, when checking in for a Virgin Atlantic flight on one of the original 747s, the check-in agent smiled and replied, I think you'll find this one's far enough forward for you. It turned out that this particular aircraft was configured in economy seating from nose to tail with upper class only on the upper deck. The kind check-in agent had given me the very front window seat on the lower deck. Because of the curve in the aircraft's nose, I discovered that by putting my head against the side window, I could actually see slightly forward along the runway. Another reason for asking for a seat as far forward as possible, back in those days, was that the smoking area was normally towards the rear of the cabin and I wanted to stay as far away from it as possible. However, an exception to this rule was on Air New Zealand 747s. By looking at the seat map in the printed timetable, anyone else remember those? I noticed that the non-smoking section was in the rear of the aircraft, and included the area where there were three pairs of seats on each side, because of the way the cabin narrowed towards the rear. These window seats also had space between the seat and the wall, big enough to fit small carry-on items, making this my seat of choice on those long Air New Zealand flights. As well as sitting right at the front and at the back of a 747, I did also have the privilege of taking the spiral staircase onto the upper deck several times, so I really got to know the huge interior of that aircraft quite well. As I mentioned before, most of my flights have been on American Airlines though. In the early days they were mostly on their DC-10s, and I well remember the cockpit camera that was used during takeoff and landing. The crew have spoken about this before, and I can confirm this really was a feature for a number of years. The view over the pilot's shoulders was shown on the projection screen at the front of the cabin. This is long before seatback TVs and an audio channel provided HCC communications. It was perfect for an av geek like me. The other reason that I continued to use American Airlines 
was because of the way that their wide-bodied fleet were configured with pairs of seats by the windows. Most airlines used a 333 seat layout, but the 252 configuration on the AA777s meant that my wife Jilly and I could sit together in our own space for two. That's changed now, of course, with American joining the rest of the aviation industry in configuring their wide bodies, bodies with um, 343 or 333 seating. Which brings us back to modern times. And so I'm going to end with a few tips for JJ and anyone else planning transatlantic travel in the coming months. My first suggestion would be to book as far out as possible. Not only will booking early get you the lowest fares, but you'll also be able to select the prime seats. Which brings me to tip two. Study the seat maps and the seat availability before you decide on which flights to take. Another reason for my loyalty to American Airlines, beyond the Advantage Awards scheme, which, by the way, is now much less valuable than it was, is that they show live seat availability on their website. Their 777 still have the same sort of pairs of seats at the rear as I described on the 747, and seat selection is often free or at a fairly reasonable cost on some flights when they describe these as preferred seats. This is unlike BA, by the way, who charge for all advanced seat selection, even in business class. BA do have a nice small economy cabin at the rear of the upper deck on their A380s though, which we used on a flight down to Miami. Also worth looking at are Aer Lingus, who have pairs of seats throughout their A330 fleet, and the facility for passengers to clear US Customs and Immigration in Dublin, with a flight then arriving in the US in the same way as an US domestic flight. My final tip is about flight times. I don't think I've ever met anyone who enjoyed a night flight in the economy cabin. During the day, though, if you have one of those prime seats that I mentioned, a transatlantic flight in the back of the aircraft can be perfectly acceptable. Normally, westbound flights from Europe to the US are in the day, with the return eastbound leg happening at night. One thing you might not have thought of is that it is possible to take a daytime flight in both directions. There are a number of routings by several airlines that leave the US in the morning and arrive back in Europe in the evening, so you're ready for a good sleep and then have a fresh start the next day. If you have more budget available, another alternative is to fly westbound in economy during the day and eastbound at night in the comfort of a business class bed. Hopefully some of you will find those tips useful and APGS from both sides of the Atlantic will be able to meet face to face again in the not too distant future. Happy flying everyone. All right. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for the audio feedback and those tips for JJ. I'm sure he's listening and taking notes and great to hear about your history um, in aviation and flying and such. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, when you sat up front at the very, very first seat of the 7-4, just think about the fact that you arrived at your destination before the pilots did. Oh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. oh yeah. Good and point. also that you can no longer bear children because you'll have been irradiated by the radar <laughs> right in front of you. 
Minor details. Minor yeah. details. We don't want to talk about that. What, what experience are you really looking for in life, though? Having children yeah. or being exactly right? Cheap, How do you cheap vasectomies. <laughs> well, having had three children, I'm thinking the latter. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Felt like kind of a nostalgic uh, reminiscence of uh, yeah. some of the better days of flying there. Passenger yeah. flying, I would say. Yeah. And I yeah. agree with his current tips, by the way. Good stuff. Maybe not so much the booking super far in advance, but. Yeah, the rest you of never it. do that, do you? No, I just. <laughs> I, yeah, no. No, like. I would say I just booked hour, a flight for two weeks from now. An hour ahead of time, something but like it that. Fine. <laughs> Sometimes on the way to the airport. Yeah. Hmm, did I? Oh, I'd rather fly, fly today than drive. Oh, yeah. Hey, look at that. If I go right now. <laughs> That's one of those mysteries, too. I think it used to be a long time ago that if, you know, the further you booked from when you were going to fly, you know, the better the deal. But I'm not, sh- it's not sure that it's that way anymore. It's yeah. not. I can confirm that that has very little to do with it a lot of the time. Yeah. Okay. I think we should uh, move on. Deanna, she says, things normal people don't think about. But hey, Deanna, none of us here are normal, so we probably She's think the about right these place. things. Yeah, you're in the right place. <laughs> so I procrastinated with filling out legal documents for a crappy personal situation. Oh, yeah, that's going around. Finished them up at noon on Saturday, and the attorney needs them Monday morning first thing. It's too much to scan, so they need to be physically mailed. It's only 60 miles away, but they don't go around. uh, They don't do ground shipping over the weekend. I would drive it myself, but I'm leaving on a 6 a.m. flight to St. Martin. And of course, I'm going to Maho Beach to watch airplanes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. My big stack of documents will fly from Burlington, North Carolina to Raleigh. It's not that far. Uh, <laughs> it's not far at all. <laughs> first thing Monday morning. Normal people would think, I can't believe I'm paying this much for papers to fly 60 miles. I thought, I wonder if the pilot is working his or her first job as a commercial pilot. I wonder how many hours they have. Have they ever been a CFI? I bet they have a ton of student loans. wonder if they want to work for an airline one day. Normal people do not think of this stuff. Deanna. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, thinking of that stuff, I hope you kept a copy of all those papers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just just in case. You know what just I mean? Exactly right. And if the company is owned by some shady, you know, guy from Britain, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I want to stay away from that much. one. Yeah, yeah. so uh, having them that's pretty thinking. usual out here. We're all exactly. pretty shady. <laughs> Thankfully, you're in North Carolina where the pilots are not shady at all. Yeah. Oh, there's too much sunshine. You can't hide in the shade in North Carolina. <laughs> anyway. Well, good. Thank <laughs> you, Deanna. That is a really short flight. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's, I'm just laughing at that. Okay. Number eight. Uh, Jerry. 487 Plain Tail. The best ever. Hi, guys. Goodness me. I've just been catching up. Hadn't listened to 487 in its entirety and decided to go on listening to the others. Like one of your other listeners commented on, the consistency makes this show. But sometimes when life gets busy, it can be difficult to keep up. Anyway, having had a spare half hour tonight, I went back and caught the end of 487. My goodness, the plane tale was incredible. And it was the sensory pilot. Yeah, the good one. The best there has been. 
What an experience. It encapsulates everything that our love for this great way of life is about, those who are lucky enough to have experienced it, and those who look up in marvel, watching, uh, are wishing they could. They could more often. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I wish, okay. I screwed up that sentence. I'm sorry. Jerry said it very elo eloquently. I did not. Uh, thanks for all that you're doing. The show is spot on. Thank you, Jerry. And Nick, as always, thank you so much for all the hard work and creative well, talent. Well, I couldn't have done that one without uh, everyone's input. So, uh, yeah, that was much appreciated because I, I didn't have enough ideas to fill out it myself. So uh, Steph and Rick uh, helped out with some of their own. Jeff, you were busy. Are you going to call me out? Huh? You know, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. now, though, busy. just thinking back to a conversation that we were having earlier in this particular show, we left out the um, the bugs in the sensory cockpit part portion two. of the sensory experience of flying. Oh, yeah. Wasps. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Added that. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a painful one. Yeah. Can you imagine? You, know, you just go you know, put your arm on the armors and you get stung by a brick That's wasp. happened to me many times, actually. Jeez. You the, got stung? Uh, the pool, uh, not flying. Oh, let me back up. But at work, um, I used to hmm. in my high school days lifeguard, and the pool I worked at, huh. um, I don't, there were just a lot of bees and wasps around, and they used to hang the collection like the the trap jar for them underneath the the lifeguard stands and chairs. <laughs> no, but nice. half the time they would just land not. on the armrest and you wouldn't, you know, you'd be like yelling at some kid to walk for the thousandth time and then you'd like sit back and put your arms down and get stung by a bee. Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. All the time. Not oh, fun. Anyway. No. Not fun. Sorry. Definitely a tangent there. Moving on. Oh, that's right. That's, that's what the show is. Bunch of tangents. All somehow. Well, that's the show title, by the way. <laughs> the, airline, the, the airline tangent show. <laughs> yes. The airline tangent show. <laughs> Best part of the show time. All right, is the best part of the show, Liz. Thank you. It's time for this week's installment of uh, the Old Pilot's Plane Tales. And this week, I believe you're wrapping up the Mike Wildman story. This is part three of three. And without further ado, here we go. The Old Pilot's Plain Tales The Mike Wildman Story Part 3 This is the concluding part of my interview with Mike Wildman, an amputee pilot who's had a fascinating career in aviation. The first part covered Mike's life in the Royal Air Force, and the second concerned his life-changing decision to have part of his left leg removed and his fight to lead the world's first disabled formation display team. In this final section, Mike tells us about creating Team Phoenix Air and flying the stunning Yak-50. When I knew that my leg was in a pretty bad way, the writing was on the wall regarding whether I'd be able to continue flying or not. And so um, I went and got myself qualifications uh, initially as a flying instructor, and then teaching something called MPL, which is the multi, uh, multi-pilot course for... You did this off your own bat? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a company called, uh, it was called CTC in those days, that's now called L3 Harris. But uh, yeah, I went and paid for all my qualifications, built up my experience, became a type rating instructor on the A320, all and right. then eventually a type rating examiner. And I've been doing that for about 10 years now. Cool. So that became a kind of a second career, um, which I could, I could 
revert back to after my, my amputation. But of course that all stopped as well. So I had, a, I had a year on the ground basically where there was not a lot to do. So as you do get thinking, I think, and I'd always wanted to take Barter's Bus Company to another level. It was all to do with availability of aeroplanes, money, and it had all kind of stopped. So I spent that year trying to planning and think how, how could we take this thing further. Talked back to the Barter Foundation again, and they were prepared to forward us some money uh, for training and got in touch with a friend of mine called Jez Hopkinson, who leads the Yakovlev's Displays team here at uh, How did you Hensuch. know him? Well, one thing I didn't tell you is uh, when I had the crash the first time, I ended up managing an air display team with a couple of mates 20 <laughs> years ago, uh, and we knew him through the air display circuit, so there was that. I don't know if you've heard of a company called Ultimate High. I've heard of it, yeah, yes. They, but... they do uh, corporate air combat experiences and that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, myself and two friends uh, set up Ultimate High 20 oh, right. years ago. I'm, I'm not involved with it anymore. So, so I, I'd had various connections and so Jez was an old friend through that and I got in touch with them because these were the obvious aeroplanes to fly the problem with being an amputee is the toe brakes on an aeroplane are very um, uh, are usually you have to move your foot forward to do it and as you can imagine that's not something that's possible for an not amputee unless you've got your heel up there and that's really going to be well, near, near yeah, impossible so um, we were looking for an aircraft that, that had adapted brakes and these Yakovlevs have got pneumatic brakes on the control column so you use the rudders in the normal way which you can with a flat leg but the brakes are used on the control column so i got in touch with jez to talk to him about yaks and he said look i've got eight airplanes here and we're not using them all at the same time why don't you just you know rent a couple off me and that meant that all the problems with maintenance insurance aircraft ownership uh, sponsorship funding kind of went away because all we and had modifications, to do and modifications which would normally be a great expense huge so, and what it meant is that you know, the money we had to front up with was very, very small compared to if we'd had to, to, to get that whole thing going ourselves. And so we went back to the Barter Foundation. They fronted up you know, tens of thousands of pounds to pay for our initial training. Wow. And that was in April of this year. Um, we, first of all, we had to convert onto the airplanes. And this is myself and Alan this time was as a two-ship. Barry, unfortunately, wouldn't have been able to get in and out of the airplanes. So uh, okay. um, that was a shame. We started in April, we converted onto the aeroplane, then we did uh, our aerobatics rankings on it, and then we started doing close formation and then building up a 10-minute air display, which is um, what we've done. It's got about 18 manoeuvres in it and crosses and hearts and all sorts of things. I was going to say, this is going to be quite different from the work you were doing in the uh, Pipers. Yeah, and Pipers was, was very close formation. I mean, we were overlapping wings sometimes and the guys were very good, but that's the only way you could make it dramatic was to be flying really close and that was just a case of doing dumbbells and things um changing from line of stone into echelon and vic um, but then yeah it was limited with a kind of a fleur de lis break at the end this is a complete we're doing kind of gentleman's aerobatics so it's loops uh, clover leaves barrel rolls that sort of stuff in close formation both in uh, echelon and, and line of stern but these are large looping man- maneuvers and they are down to 300 feet which is oh, wow. uh, pretty serious so we, we the first part of the, of the display the first four or five minutes is doing those uh, and then we break off we do passes we do hearts we do breaks we do uh, rollovers we do you know all this all the normal stuff you'd see at a mm. regular air show down to 300 feet so it's a, it's a proper grown-up air display and it has to be done to exactly the same level as everybody else because to get our DA, we have to, uh, to perform to exactly the same level. 
A DA is the display authorization granted by the Civil Aviation Authority that allows Mike to go into an air show and perform. And the training that Jez has put us through um, is exactly the same as his regular pilots. And indeed, the deal is that, um, and I'm only living an hour down the road, is that Al and I can then uh, slip into the full air display team if we required. Wow. What sort of hurdles have you had to jump with regards to authorizations from the CAA and the like? Initially, they were they were uh, in Bard's bus company times. They were they were very interested, in it and we had uh, we had a lot of oversight from the CAA. Uh, but once that had been done, and we'd proved our metal as far as uh, um, having our DAs, and, and then we produced a number of safe shows. Nothing more. Uh, we have to get our, our, you know, our the next DA is done um, uh, as and when. But they've just left us to it. Brilliant. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about the aircraft? Yeah, aeroplanes are fantastic. This is Yak 52. Not as old-fashioned as it looks. These aircraft are mostly 1970s vintage. Okay. Um, and these are basic Russian military lead-in trainers. So they've got uh, it's got a 400 horsepower nine-cylinder radial engine. Very, very strong, robust. Uh, unusually, a lot of the controls, the undercarriage starting is all using pneumatics. So okay. it uses air to start, uh, air for the undercarriage, uh, air for bits and bobs. It's mostly uh, metal apart from fabric on some of the surfaces. Very, very military. These have been converted inside because a lot of the original aeroplanes have got all the stuff in Cyrillic. Um, <laughs> we still fly in with kilometers an hour. But most of the Cyrillic stuff has now been changed uh, and, and taken off a lot of weight. So we've got proper glass cockpit and stuff in there. But it's, uh, it's still a very, very military feel to the aeroplane. Um, fun uh, to fly? So lots of fun to fly. Brilliant. Really great fun to fly. Easy to land. Um, nice wide undercarriage. And then pneumatic brakes for us. So um, a great aeroplane. Yeah, really, really nice. The, um, the organisation here that own these, they're available for anyone to come and uh, get some flying and Yes, they are. They right? do flying conversion, they do uh, aerobatic courses, so they're here all the time. Uh, their main their meat and drink is to go and do air displays uh, around the world, and they fly a six-ship air display. The big area now for uh, air display work is both China and uh, India, and it's not unusual for them to display to a million people on the ground. Wow. Um, and that will they'll go out and they'll do um, three to four weeks in, in each place, shipping the aircraft out in containers, and that's uh, and, and that's much more lucrative. These aeroplanes burn about uh, 120 liters an hour when you're doing shows, which about two pounds a liter. You can you know, do the maths just in fuel alone. You're talking about 250 pounds an hour. So two of you in formation, it's 500. You know, six of you, that's 1500 quid just for the fuel for an hour. So it starts to get expensive. So a little plug for them, perhaps. Whereabouts are we and what's the name of their company? OK, well, we're here in Henstridge. They are the Yak of Levs. They are, with the blades, I'd say they're the top two um, civilian air displays uh, teams in the country. That's, and uh, they've been going for 20 years. I think Jez, the leader, has flown something like 2,000 air shows. Wow. Um, I think he's the most experienced Yak pilot in the world. So it's a, it's a remarkable story. Uh, he's got three of these Yak 52s, they use the 52 as the lead aircraft and then they have Yak 50s as the, uh, the other aircraft in formation. The Yak 50 was a purely aerobatic competition aeroplane where they effectively took the front seat out and made it a tail dragger. Okay. Uh, uh, had no flaps on the 50 version as well and so that was a much more sporty uh, aeroplane and we use those as kind of the chase aeroplanes. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. 
You've got another young lady working with you. Well, Cheryl, um, Cheryl's uh, remarkable. She's another flying scholarship for the disabled scholar, and um, she's uh, completing her PPL training at the moment. But our aim is uh, to get her involved. She comes down here and flies with us, but our aim is to get her involved uh, as soon as we can to get her as a uh, third member of the team as soon as we can take her through the, uh, the system. Brilliant. And she, uh, yeah, she's quite an inspirational character herself. She's uh, done flying training, wing walking. Uh, she has a, uh, a, a kind of a, a spinal spasticity problem, so she walks with her cane, but she's great, and, and uh, we'd very much like to, to get her doing more flying as soon as we can. Well, actually, that would be, uh, yeah, that would just tick all the boxes, wouldn't it? Absolutely that would right. be fantastic. Yeah, indeed. Uh, looking ahead, if you, uh, you know, complete your training over the winter, yep. and uh, for that, of course, you're going to need a lot of sponsorship. Indeed. Um, so, you know, that's an angle we, we need to talk about. Mm. But um, what's next year got for you, if, assuming it all works, all well, comes right? Um, a number of air displays have already booked us. We've been at uh, Duxford. Uh, the, the International Air Institute at Riyadh is the world's largest military air show and they've booked us um, I think on the Friday of their weekend. We've been promised the Guernsey Air Show as well so we'll be there. Um, obviously people aren't going to, to book you till you definitely know you're going to be there. So, uh, But we, we're looking forward to doing 10 to 15 shows next year. Well, that would be great. Now, there is a rumour that you might be able to get to the Invictus Games opening. Now, I understand there are problems there overflying the site because of the fact that it's a city, but hopefully you'll get there in some form or manner. Some form or other, uh, and also the next year is in Dusseldorf, which looks like an op- a larger site, so we're hoping to be at Dusseldorf next year, but uh, we're talking to their organising committee, and at some stage, even if we uh, just turn up to the show and they show our video and things, we'll, we, we'd, we're going to be there in some form. Oh no, that, that would be fantastic. Uh, what we're actually looking forward to do is to see if maybe at the opening of the games we could do a straight and level fly past straight over the stadium or something like that, just so mm. we, weren't, uh, we weren't displaying. But at least we'd be there. So um, the only thing that really is holding you back is uh, sponsorship. And like most uh, air display teams, I'm sure, you're always on the lookout for someone who uh, wants to take on. And, and I can't imagine uh, a more exciting and valuable addition to aviation than to have a fully capable uh, disabled team uh, working because it's just it's just a wonderful and heartwarming thing to do. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and you know, the heartwarming side, apart from it, you know, we want to prove the whole idea of this thing is to prove that disabled people are just as capable. We just look a little bit different. Uh, and certainly to be able to, to, to perform to this level, um, there is no way that we can be given any sort of uh, easy ride or because we're doing exactly the same thing to the same levels and i want people to be able to look at us both able-bodied and disabled and think christ if they can do that i can do anything you know and that's that's the idea the other side of it is to be able to to go and talk to uh corporates to anybody who'll listen to us about disability inclusivity diversity and opportunities for uh, disabled people and championing those. We also want to champion STEM, advocating science, um, technology, engineering and maths to the next generations, particularly to, to um, female students because there's a, a great lack of those. And so again we want to encourage able-bodied and disabled-bodied children to just get involved with uh, you know, engineering, all those kind of uh, more challenging possible roles because there's such a requirement for it both in aviation 
and through the whole technology sector. Uh, and, and that's one of the things we do. And so, for example, when we would go to Guernsey, we go the day before, we go and um, give talks to schools, we meet the public, and we just like to provide a very positive face of, of disability rather than uh, a negative one. And that's why the team has also been called Amputee Aerobatics. I didn't want to make it Disabled Aerobatics because disabled, I think disability has a negative context to it. Yeah, There's it nothing does, positive yes. about the phrase, is there? Yeah. Whereas amputee, but uh, I know amputee uh, uh, is a bit more dynamic and it's yeah. showing that's something positive, not something negative. Yeah, no, I th think you're quite right. Yeah. Mm. So if there's someone out there listening who uh, is, uh, you know, their imagination has been sparked by hearing you talk uh, in such a wonderful way about your life and about how you're overcoming uh, what has been a massive change for you. Mm -hmm. um, how would they get in touch with you? And you know, wh what are you going to be able to provide for them, perhaps? Okay, well, you can get in touch via our website, which is teamphoenixair.com, or mike at teamphoenixair.com will get them to me. Um, if they go onto our website, you'll find uh, contact details and telephone numbers. To call me on the telephone, um, plus 44 for the UK, um, 7973 762301. I think we could offer, uh, certainly a corporate uh, company, uh, a great canvas uh, to, to both promote their brand and be allied with an organisation which is completely unique uh, and provides many different virtues including indomitable spirit, hard work, never say die attitude, which can illustrate exactly what disabled people can do and uh, act as, uh, as a beacon for companies going forward. Which is a, a fantastic thing for any company, regardless of their background and, and what they're involved in. Uh, I can imagine you'd be great at uh, giving inspirational talks. And, uh, and I hope that there is someone out there listening who th will be equally inspired as I have been to um, you know, get in touch with you, uh, help you through uh, this period now when you need to a lot of expense in the training yeah. and uh, then take, reap the benefits of having you display. But I mean, I think you could probably uh, end up doing things um, for private individuals, uh, perhaps. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, who, who wouldn't want a, uh, a pair of uh, aerobatic aircraft displaying at their wedding or something? Exactly. We can do private air shows. We can do weddings. Um, we can do private shows for sponsors, uh, for corporate companies. Um, there are many, many. Um, Formula One, there are so many uh, opportunities. Oh, absolutely, yes. Well, it sounds like a, a very exciting life ahead for you, Mike, and I, I wish you well. Thanks very much indeed for talking to us today. It's been really inspiring. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Catching up with you uh, again after oh, quite a few years now, absolutely brilliant. Uh, and uh, really appreciate you giving us your time. Well, Nick, it's lovely to see you again. Thank you very much for, for coming here and uh, taking the time to interview me, and uh, thank you very much. Very inspirational man, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Fant fascinating um, life as a pilot uh, that is only really growing to me, um, you know, in ability. Um, you know, I, he's such an endearing guy, Mike. Uh, we got on very well when we uh, used to fly together in Virgin. Uh, and uh, to see him now, how he copes with, uh, um, you know, having... Uh, a leg taken off uh, and making his life instill into something very special I find remarkable but 
You know, did you notice uh, when I said, you know, it's an inspiring story and how a company wouldn't want to be involved in that? His attitude is he doesn't want sympathy. He, he says that he wants to prove that uh, anyone with a, uh, a disability um, can achieve, hopefully, whatever they want. They, they, can, they can do if with sufficient drive and, and uh, help. And that's what he wants to prove. He wants to prove that anyone can match anybody. Uh, and the fact that uh, he will be a standby pilot for uh, the Akalevs in their uh, displays uh, just goes to show that, uh, yeah, they can, they can just slot Mike in and he will hopefully be able to... Uh, um, you know, fill the slot of someone who might be ill or whatever, um, without a problem, regardless of uh, the fact that he's, um, uh, you know, he's got part of a leg missing. I think a lot of uh, success in life comes down to mindset and ingenuity to work around whatever barrier it is you have in your way. And he's a perfect example of that. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I, you know, I want to just put the word, if there is someone out there who, can uh, you know offer? And I know Mike has very recently got some great news with, regarding a sponsor. He mm -hmm. still needs people, um, you know, major companies, preferably, uh, who've got deep pockets uh, and are willing to, uh, um, you know, uh, add him to their portfolio of uh, people who can advocate their company. Um, he would be a, a marvelous uh, figurehead. Um, you know, who could think of anything better? I can't. Neither can I. Amazing. Excellent. All right. Very good. Well, let's uh, move on with some more feedback, guys. Um, Number nine. nine from Keith. He's a new fan of the show from Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm a new listener to the podcast. I found the show a couple of weeks ago and I am hooked. Can't wait for episode 500 and what that will have in store. I love the insight into the airline industry and the camaraderie between you, Dr. Steph, Captain Nick, Miami Rick, and Liz. My son and I are huge aviation fans and enjoy taking Saturdays to go down to our local airport, Kilo Lima, India Tango, Little Rock uh, Airport, um, for plane spotting. Along those lines, do you ever fly into Little Rock? Yeah, I just did uh, just a few days ago, actually. Um, I've seen Acme Airlines 717s here before, but more recently, it's been mostly the A320. Let me know if right. you have a layover in Little Rock Oof. coming up. <laughs> oh, let the fighting begin. <laughs> hey, Keith, welcome to the show. <laughs> also, have you heard uh, Captain Nick's pronunciation of Arkansas? <laughs> you guys have got it wrong. It's Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Let's see. Let me know if you have a layover in Little Rock coming up, and we'd love to meet up for a beer. Several several great local breweries close to the airport. Okay, and I'll probably be downtown, by the way, not close to the airport. Unless I want to pick up a, a beer or two before I fly back to Atlanta. Helps calm Matt just point out, by the <laughs> it way. Does, uh, does help. Yeah, it yeah. does. I hear. that uh, Airbuses have a system that stops you flying into Little Rock. Because it would damage the aeroplane. So. Oh, really? And, and those big rocks would definitely damage the aeroplane. <laughs> Nick, your knowledge of the geography of Arkansas is just astounding. Arkansas. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, do carry on. Okay. On another note, my son and I are traveling to 
Phuket. <laughs> Giving up. Oh, it was really, no, I really wanted to pronounce it differently, but I thought, nope, family show. Uh, Phuket, Thailand, next week via Singapore Airlines from JFK to Singapore, then to Phuket. The main motivation for this trip was a chance to fly on the, quote, world's longest flight, uh, Singapore 23 from JFK to Singapore in their A350-900 ULR. This route covers 9,537 miles with a flight time of 18 hours and 40 minutes. Hey, at least it's not 36 hours, right? That's true. At yeah. least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 36 hours. That's like twice as long. As well. ah! Oh, come on now. Their A350. <laughs> okay. yeah, we had some feedback on where the good seats are down the back. <laughs> That's there. true. Just, yeah. uh, their, A, their A350-900 ULR is a modified version of the aircraft with extra fuel tanks. And no economy seating, only business class and premium economy. The route often goes over the North Pole, but can take a westward, northward, or eastern track, depending on weather and traffic, since New York and Singapore are virtually antipodal. I guess that's the way you... Antipodal. Or antipodal, even. (laughs) Opposite (laughs) Thank you, Liz. Uh, Yeah. Opposite pole. I don't know. Oh, I've never, I've never better. pronounced that antipodal. word before, and I've never heard anybody say it. So the antipodes. Have you ever heard of the antipodes? No, I've never heard of the antipodes. Okay. I'm a, I've well. led, led a very sheltered life. Um, we got to talk about that. Okay, we'll talk about that. Uh, pretty cool. I'll provide some feedback on the flight when we get back. Oh, that'd be great. Anyways, thanks for an awesome show and providing a glimpse under the hood into your world. Lots of fun. I just so that long flight, he could listen to one or two APGs. Yeah, for you could well, at least two APGs, maybe more. She, Liz is saying that for that on that long of a flight, he could listen to at least one, maybe two episodes. Eighteen hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five. Uh, anyways, thanks for a an kidding, awesome show. Steph, I know, lots of fun. Just donated to the coffee fund, and will look to be a Patreon, a patron at Patreon soon. Mm-hmm. Cheers yeah. and safe travels, Keith Carlson. Yay, Little Rock. Uh, I right. love Little Rock. It's a great place. Keith, I'm sure you're a great guy. I can't wait to meet up, meet up with you. And uh, should be going in and out of Little Rock uh, a few times uh, in the next couple of years. So Very there nice. you go. All right. Um, oh, got some uh, audio feedback from our friend Landon out in Northern California. He's, it's always a hoot to hear from Landon. <laughs> uh, I'm listening to an episode that- I don't know, Ori, something, something other. And uh, it's about the skin gear that uh, the brakes go out. And just listening to them recordings just reminded me of the time when I was <laughs> when I was police in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, it's funny, I'm actually going to be moving back to uh, moving back to the United States. I'm, I'm leaving the, the country of California. And uh, yeah, it was hilarious just listening to that uh, that recording because I work with guys who's and, and ladies, uh, gender neutral, who sounded just like that. <laughs> and it's going to be great. I'm actually moving to Austin, Texas, and it's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to be around a whole bunch of Southern pilots all over again, <laughs> flying King Airs and flying Cheyennes and Cessna Conquests and all that good stuff. And then I'm going to end up getting my little Southern Twain back. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you... Uh, I don't know how you hop in King Air and try and use differential uh, thrust to control <laughs> control a big old behemoth like that on a taxiway. It's kind of crazy. Um, 
why knowing that the brakes are out, just go and you just start taxing anyways. Don't know. Oh, well, not going to be me. Anyways, anyways, uh, I just had to say that because, Jeff, you, you, you said police and just brought back memories. All right, that's all. I don't got anything else. I'll send some more feedback on something that actually makes sense later. Bye. But wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One more thing. So I wonder, in the state of Texas, when the police do their report, do they do a report like an incident report? Or is it a, or is it a, uh, or is it a wreck report, like crash report? Technically, it's a motor vehicle. I asked this question when I was in the police academy in North Carolina back in 2007, 2008, something other. And, uh, I asked the, uh, the guy, uh, he was a Durham police officer, old Durham police officer named Frank Gold. He was from Western North Carolina, like Appalachian Mountains. And I asked him and said, hey, uh, this says uh, if you crash into an airplane, it was a crazy example. It doesn't count as a wreck. Well, it's not because it's not a motor vehicle, but it has a motor. But it doesn't count as a motor vehicle. But if an airplane crashes into a car, it's a motorized vehicle. Just so happens to have wings. But that was North Carolina. I don't know what uh, the requirements are in uh, in Texas to be classified as a wreck. Apparently, this King Air uh, crashed into a uh, pickup truck. So either which way, I'm glad I wasn't police to have to take that kind of report because it would have been a funky report, and I wouldn't know what I was doing. So. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the police no more. All right. That's all. Landon, you're going to have no problems <laughs> just blending back in seamlessly, effortlessly into the South. You got the, the Southern. It was a brand place. new pickup truck. How, brand new. <laughs> how did he live in California? <laughs> not well. Dangerously. That's what I, <laughs> I want to know. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb there, buddy. <laughs> awesome, though. That's great feedback. Always good to Thanks, hear Landon. from Landon. Yeah. That's awesome. I like it when feedback just starts with laughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got my attention right away. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's good. No. Mm-hmm. Number 12. That's how I begin my briefing. So I'll start with oh, laughter. The police. <laughs> <laughs> Do that and get back listen with us on that one. Listen to this one. Yeah. Especially in Lancaster. <laughs> great. That's one of them crazy so ones. Briefing. Mm. Um, I feel like this is another tangent and an aside, but the use of the word wreck for an accident is very much a southern thing. Is it? I never used that word no. until I moved to the south. Yeah, we hit, or no, I never heard it so it much. Here. We just called oh, yeah. it an accident. Oh. Big time no, southern. But around here, up here, it's just a wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was a wreck. Liz says like that, an accident? that they up there in, in southern southern Canada. Southern Ontario. <laughs> southern yeah. Ontario. They call it a wreck. That's a southern yeah. thing, see? Yeah. yeah. Southern. Don't matter the country. Yeah. I was in southern mm-hmm. California. I think we called them wrecks then, too. I don't know. I don't remember. It was. It was too young. It's not unusual. It's just yeah. not the most common in other places. Anyway, true. carry on. Well, thank you. Uh, I'll do that. Thank you very much, Landon. Always good to hear from you. And continue on with the uh, 12 Slav uh, update on the 48 by 48 record setting attempt. Hello, APG crew. Apologies for the delay. I've been just a tad busy and it dawned on me that I hadn't updated you on the outcome of the Eximius Flying Club's 48 by 48 project. Everything went perfectly on the first day, 
which, by the way, involved around-the-clock support by our ground support volunteers as they coordinated with witnesses, FBOs, fuelers, etc. Everything had to be done exactly in accordance with Guinness rules, and ground turns had to be quick. However, on the second day, when Captain Kirks were in Florida, the commander, the airplane, developed a prop control issue. They made a precautionary landing at a nearby, nearby airport, which happened to have a shop on the field. The decision was made to terminate the mission out of an abundance of caution. However, they were able to fly at home uneventfully. So it didn't work out this year. Unfortunately, no. So it didn't work out this year, unfortunately, but the club is looking forward to trying this again in the future. Thanks to the APG community members who may have followed the progress of this endeavor. And again, that's Slav Inger. And uh, yeah, so good to hear um, from you and sorry to hear that they didn't make it. But hey, that just gives you another excuse to do it again or give it another try next year, right? There you go. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, continue with some more audio. Well, 15. 15. Okay. Never mind. Um, We'll we'll maybe loop back around, but these ones I want to cover. We're going to jump to 15 from Stefan. Um, Just some quick feedback on the parking brake discussion. Okay. Uh, The parking brake, talking about um, that uh, citation accident up in um, Connecticut. Uh, that uh, they think they had the parking brake on, mm-hmm. and we talked about the parking mm-hmm. brakes. On many GA planes, including some of Steph's, it's up to the pilot how hard to set the parking brake. I indeed once taxied a Cessna 182 with the parking brake slightly set, enough to heat the brake pads, but not enough for me to notice. Ever since I switched my standard operation procedure for parking brakes, it's either off or so tight there is no way to taxi. Though I share that in the hope the, oh, let's see. Though I share that in the hope it prevents some future accident. Okay, so he's sharing it because he wants to make sure that some of you listening out there uh, mm-hmm. take heed. And I think that's good advice and a good uh, SOP, Stefan. Exactly. I'll tell you what. The, the aircraft I currently fly, there's really you're going to notice if the parking brakes on, even, even if you haven't. Bit. Yeah, there's not really a way to do it a little bit in okay. either of those aircraft. It's either on so or on or not. off. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's the way it's been for all the airplanes that I recall ever flying. It's either mm-hmm. on or off, not like a little bit. I have flown some smaller GA aircraft where the parking brake doesn't really seem to work at all. Oh. And that's a different sort of problem because <laughs> if you're not aware of that and you try to use it and then you aren't paying much attention, it will um, continue to move on you. Hmm. Mm. That could so be aware of that as well in small, small, especially older GA aircraft with worn out mechanical parking brakes. Yeah. Very good. This is why you have to carry an anvil. You know, you just, and after you're done <laughs> yeah. with a chain, and after you're done, you just throw it out the window. And uh, this is actually sanctioned by the FAA. Look it up. I, I don't think that's idea. very practical, it's Rick. It's no, sort of like yeah. the road. That's also. <laughs> Actually, it used you know, to amuse me. I, I used to fly <laughs> with guys who, when they came to put the parking brake on, because mm. we'd you know finished flight, they would stamp on the brakes, and you'd feel the the brake pedals go all the way forward. Then they'd reach and put the parking brake on, and I used to think, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> because the, there's absolutely no connection between the parking brake valves and the foot pedals. 
in uh, so in the otter, the that's how you. Oh, okay, yeah, in the otter, that's yeah. How you I'm guessing the there are a lot of aircraft, which is mm-hmm. which is how you do it. You know. No, so on on so uh, yeah, on Boeing's, you do have to press the brakes and then set the parking brakes, and the brakes stay there. Um, and uh, so there's a little bit of a mechanical, a little bit of a mechanical, you know, back driven type, uh, you know, uh, situation going on here. But same thing uh, with the Douglases. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Very good. We have some, uh, some more audio feedback from Tillman. Oh, lovely. All right. Let me do this first. We're going green. We're going green. We're going to take care of the earth. We're going green. All right, here we go. Hey, APG crew and community. This is Private Pilot Tillman with some very, very green feedback from Berlin. At the beginning of October, Siemens Energy, together with a company called Atmosphere, has launched the first plant for the production of carbon-neutral aviation fuel in the North German town of Welten. The plant produces synthetic crude oil as a base product for kerosene. Now, the idea to make oil synthetically is not new, but this plant does this in a carbon-neutral way and for the first time above laboratory scale. But how does it work, you ask? Well, for the basics, take a quick excursion with me back to high school chemistry, if you will. Jet fuel stores energy in long molecules that consists primarily of carbon atoms and hydrogen atoms. That's why we call them hydrocarbons. We use these hydrocarbons to generate the heat that we need in our jet turbines. When we burn the fuel, we create a heat-releasing reaction of the hydrocarbons with the ambient oxygen. So during this reaction, the hydrocarbon molecules are broken up and two oxygen atoms connect with one hydrogen to create water and two more oxygen atoms react with the carbon atoms to make CO2. So that's basically our jet exhaust. The idea of synthetic jet fuel is to reverse this reaction, basically. So you break up the CO2 in the ambient air and add hydrogen to create new hydrocarbon molecules. If the energy that is needed for this process comes from renewable sources, you basically have green synthetic jet fuel. So the new thing about the Siemens Atmosphere Research Plant is that they found a fairly energy efficient way to do this. So you basically need the same amount of energy that is released when you burn the fuel to reverse the process and then some extra for the process. And the amount of extra energy you need is basically determining how feasible the, um, the process is. So they found a pretty, um, pretty feasible way to do this. And um, at the moment, the plant has a production capacity of about one ton of synthetic oil per day. So that's not a lab anymore, but clearly not a commercial scale either. But it's a step in the right direction. And it very much looks like the Germans are single-handedly saving both the aviation industry and the planet. You're welcome. Thank you, Germans. Nerd alert! 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's how that works. Huh? Yeah, he lost me at hydrocarbons. I don't know. What, yeah. He lost me and when he said, let's go back to high school chemistry. Yeah, I want to say I no, went, uh, but I, had, uh, I was uh, muted. Uh, I went, no. No. <laughs> I he lost me at Tillman. <laughs> If you start off with uh, endless glass of bottomless, bottomless glass mug of IPA, of mug of IPA, there you go. Then you'll yeah, have yeah. my full attention. Yeah, we we'd be Absolutely. listening the whole time. That's now, a, we actually, uh, I yeah. I'm sure that's all very promising. No, it sounds very promising and uh, exciting for. You yeah, know. but next time, just as an FYI, begin your feedback by laughing, and that will let you have her <laughs> undivided attention. <laughs> Uh, alternative fuel (laughs) (laughs) going green green. there you go (sighs) okay thank you Tillman we love you we really do even if you are a nerd (laughs) okay we're excited for it Uh, Ivor writes in uh oh it's always an interesting thing when he does that Uh, dear Nick Steph Mr. Miami (laughs) and that Jeff fella (laughs) We all know how Jeff loves getting the getting to know you segment and how he loves to murder that lovely song. Hey, let's not start the doctor on the words, but in all seriousness, it is a passably interesting part of the show. (laughs) We get to hear about Steph's sporting endeavors, how Rick Mm -hmm. moves boxes around the globe. Also, who could survive a week without knowing where Jeff has rested his weary head on various nights. Chattanooga one night, choo-choo the next, and every (laughs) single listener is desperate to know how Nick, just call me the Jack Anderson, has done in his latest Crown Green Bowls encounter. But maybe, maybe, is it time you showed an interest in the silent majority? Yes, those determined and frankly lonely people who tune in (laughs) and download your weekly offering. They can be described as a silent bunch rarely offering opinion, obedient and loyal. But isn't it time you offered them a scrap of something? Maybe a little section of your tightly constructed show could be dedicated to these selfless heroes. What I'm proposing is an occasional piece on one of your listeners every now and again, uh, not what's happened happening to them now, but how they became interested in aviation. Uh, was there a particular particular event that sparked it off, or was it just a gradual graduation from a boy to a man? That last line was for Micah. Did you move to a house huh. under a flight path and fall in love with the paraffin budgie? Uh, was a parent responsible for this terrible affliction? It's just a suggestion. We would be interested in how your pres- you presenters became hooked. If you reject this sparkling idea for a segment in your show, I won't be offended much yours love and kisses ivor uh, i so noticed sweet. a bit of a flaw in ivor's uh, suggestion mm-hmm. oh if if they're the silent majority how do we know who they are <laughs> will they speak up yeah will they that's be a good question stay tuned and maybe you'll find out <laughs> ah. <laughs> Yeah, so and, kind of like Ivor's a, not one of the silent majority. No, I might point he's out. So fairly vocal. He's instantly yeah, excluded from this spoken. section. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like the so you're H-I-G-H. out. It's yeah. like H I G H. Yeah, it's like we used to get from Steve. Yeah, Steve uh, used to send us those. How I got Horn, here. H I G H. Um, so you know, in lieu of that, maybe we it would be interesting to hear from you all. Uh, so don't all jump on it all at the same audio time and video. audio well, and video um is accepted um and non-audio and video as well 
um, to, but it would be really cool to be able to hear your own voice and maybe even see your lovely faces as you tell us about how you were bit by the aviation bug. Uh, Vetland's not so sure. Oh, we're back to the bugs. I think that was referring to something else previously. (laughs) No, let's not. I'm not sure what, but either way it's applicable here. Eric, we want to hear from you and how you got into aviation. You're first. Yeah, Yeah, Vetland was talking about the sustainable fuel. He's not. Oh. He he wasn't on board with the high school chemistry. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, I think that's a really great idea. I mean, we'd love to. I mean, this is this whole thing. We always talk about the fact that it's really all about the uh, uh, community and you know, you, the community out there, we'd love to hear from you. And that's why we really love meetups, because that's when we get to hear in person um, about you and how you got into aviation and Very all that true. stuff. Yeah. So how did so you So we got uh, a few left. We've got 11, 13, and 14 so, before we do Larry, if, if you want to try. Okay. Stay silent. Or don't. I, I'm sorry. I was getting uh, communication from the uh, control room. I can room. tell you were distracted. From, yes. Yeah. So, uh, she is directing us to go to 11. Uh, this is from 11. Robert, uh, who used to live just south of the uh, Big Chicken. Now he's uh, on the other side of town in Tucker, Georgia. Howdy, crew. I had to settle a nervous friend down recently who swore he would never fly in a turboprop again. Bless his heart. As I understand it, he flew from Fort Lauderdale to Orlando on a Silver Airways ATR, and they rejected takeoff. Then they were put in on a smaller Saab 340 to take the trip back in September. I looked back at the show notes, but couldn't find that you uh, may have covered this. Is there a database that m- might have what had happened? Also, will any of the crew be on the 5K on the Atlanta 5th runway on October 16th? I wasn't. I don't know if anybody, I don't I think anybody else was. Mm-mm. If so, say hi. Well, I guess uh, Robert was and... We're expecting to hear some feedback regarding that because he usually does send us feedback about that. Um, so, Robert, um, unless you know this uh, rejected takeoff kind of uh, encompassed more than just a standard rejected takeoff, uh, we're likely not going to ever hear anything about it. I mean, it's not going to show up on Aviation Herald or aviationsafety.net or any of these places because it's just not it's not an incident or an accident or anything really of note like things just happen sometimes and also remember that a rejected takeoff is nothing but a just one more maneuver something that we plan for so it's not something that it's like a go around whatsoever Mm -hmm. but i guess if you're a passenger don't fly a lot and you've never experienced one it can be um a little startling i guess Mm-hmm. But as as they just said, yeah. um, Robert, it's just uh, peeling something. your face off the seat back and yeah. in front of you can be a bit hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and adjusting all the smoke and getting burned yeah. by the flames, and that can yeah, be. And watching the undercarriage catch a light and yeah. fire trucks around the airplane. That's when you'd hear about this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, apparently, nothing like that happened. Thankfully, mm-hmm. no. This all sounds right. very. Routine, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there was good reason for it. There must have been. What are you suggesting now, control room? Uh, number 13. 13, okay. Uh, we have uh, some more audio feedback from Grinner. Hello, APGs. It's Grinner speaking to you from the beautiful county of North Yorkshire up in the north of England. As a current line training captain on the Airbus 320 family, I thought I'd leave a little bit of feedback and hopefully answer a few of the questions that you had 
about the RTO and the evacuation that was carried out with the Spirit A320 aircraft in Atlantic City just a few weeks ago. When you carry out an RTO in the Airbus, uh, assuming the speed's above 72 knots, then the spoilers deploy automatically and the brakes apply to their maximum effectiveness and bring the aircraft to a halt. When you come to a halt, you stir the reverses and set the parking brake, but the spoilers are left alone, um, as are the flaps. The difference with the Airbus 320 family is that each aircraft is fitted with a dual lane escape slide, which is uh, stowed in the fuselage between the overwing exits and the trailing edge of each of the wings. When an overwing exit is opened, that automatically deploys the escape slide, which inflates and drops over the rear of the, uh, the wing, the trailing edge of the wing, and it gives a sidewall which is uh, coloured in a day-glow colour to make it very, very obvious that that is the way to go to exit uh, the wing itself. At night, there's also a set of lights that show you the way down the wing um, and down the slide as well. The slide itself, uh, other than that, is very, very similar to the slides that deploy from the main doors. And they have a little grab strip so that when you whiz down there, uh, for those of you who've done it, uh, the grab strip grabs hold of your pants and puts you in a standing position. So the idea is that you then continue to run off the slide uh, as you reach the bottom. So hopefully uh, that answers the questions and the queries that you had. I hope the rest of the show goes well and speak to you again sometime. Cheerio. So I guess general advice is don't go down the slide head first because then it will be an automatic pantsing um, system. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It, right? it seems like a perfect way to get a wedgie, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so. I, I may have yeah. misunderstood what he said. So they don't do anything to the spoilers. I leave them up, but I guess maybe the does the slide move them down, or is that part of the wing where the slide is? There Are there no spoilers up? I th- I, I'm guessing there are no spoilers that Yeah, I think there's board. no spoilers there. Gotcha. Because you're only getting, uh, you're only getting like three feet from the fuselage, four feet sure. from the fuselage mm-hmm. okay. to get onto that slide. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, thank you for the yeah. clarification. Very good. Mm-hmm. Always good yeah, to hear from Gunnar. Good, All right. Um, quickly, we'll uh, try to cover this one from Ray down under. Uh, good day, strangers. Hope that you're all doing well. Thought you might like the story for the news section. Sorry if it's already been sent to you. Looking forward to this weekend as we will we will be resuming hot air balloon flights now that lockdown has been lifted for us here in New South Wales. It says, insert Nick's response here. Pop. <laughs> Nothing? Okay. Laugh he said pop. Pop. I said okay. pop. Oh, I'm sorry. That was su- such a succinct <laughs> response. I, I didn't even hear it. Okay. And then he gave us this um, link to this article from news.com.au. It's regarding a new low-cost airline, Bonza, to launch in Australia next year. A new airline coming to Australia next year plans to do things differently and turn it turns its attention to brand new destinations that many don't get a chance to see. Uh, Aussies desperate for a cheap holiday next year will have another airline to get them from A to B as the brand new Bonza prepares for launch. Now, what does Bonza mean uh, in Australia? Uh, it means something's good. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, oh. it's a so slang it's basically word. good. 
Good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Not so great, but good. But good. Have you put but up good. the... Uh, okay. The, uh, okay. Oh, really good. Oh, it's so, Bonza, mate. I'm on the job here. Hang on. Uh, I think that uh, so, we're about to see an, an overlay here of the uh, livery. And it, it, look, oh, look, the B is actually a thumbs up. Ah, uh, I get it. Uh, Bonza. Yeah. Uh, nice. Like you, you, yeah. I like it. That's yeah. clever. Um, On the 7.3? All right. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. It describes itself as a budget airline that plans to offer low-cost fares in cities and regional centers across Australia that have been starved of regular large-scale flights. Bonza CEO Tim Jordan, who has worked in the aviation industry for more than 20 years and has been behind some of the world's most successful budget airlines, told news.com.au the company was about doing things differently. Mr. Jordan said Bonza wasn't looking to take business from the already successful and well-established airlines in Australia, including Qantas, Virgin, Jetstar, but was instead gearing up to fill a gap in the market. Uh, he said there are lots of airlines in Australia very much focused on the business traveler and they do that very well, but we're about bringing more choice to Aussies from a leisure perspective. Uh, more than half of the routes Bonza plans to offer will be uncharted territory for Australian airlines. It's because they're flying to places that are uncharted in Australia. Uh-oh. Right. Well, I wonder how that's going to go. <laughs> Not very well. Yeah. I just feel like I there's mean, a lot of open space on the map of Australia. Yeah. I was I was yeah. going to say, if there were lots of people in these places that wanted to fly, wouldn't someone have thought of going there before? But but then again, they're doing things differently, so maybe they're not flying. I mean, they're just mm, driving. Yeah. yeah. Taxi. <laughs> taxi. That'd be Bonza. That would be Bonza. Yeah. All right. Okay, last but not least. From last Larry. but not least, we go to Larry. He always uh, makes us laugh, and he uh, sent us an image. Um, he says, my neighborhood put up a road sign just for me. <laughs> It says slow <laughs> geezer crossing. <laughs> That's Larry, Larry right there. I love it. In, in, yep. <laughs> behind they, the they sign. They captured him. <laughs> yep. It's it's a very the the likeness is remarkable on the actual yeah. warning yeah, really. sign it is compared good, with his it? silhouette. Yeah, it's, absolutely it's perfect. perfect. Hmm. <laughs> very curious. Love it. All right. Thank you, Larry, uh, for giving us a laugh and a way for us to end the show on a positive note. And uh, thank you all for sending in all of the ideas for news stories and your feedback. Uh, we really do appreciate that. And uh, if you want to learn more about the show, about the crew, about the community, and much, much more, you can head over to AirlinePilotGuy.com. And we are also on social media, or what I like to call the social needs. I'll just call it the social media tonight. Okay. Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, or one. Facebook, as Liz has up there first. Wait, go back. Facebook. I know your struggle. I know your struggle. She, see, I, I think I was away for the last time, so she got used to your order of operations, which are different from my order of operations. But that's okay. We'll, we'll the go new with it. world I'm, order. I'm flexible. We can we can make this work. Uh, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. You can also head over to Twitter. Uh, that's Twitter.com or the app on your phone. Uh, we're at APG Crew. And on Instagram, APG Crew. We'll we see you are on the social media. Indeed. Social and we are also, if you're a slacker, we have the perfect place for you and the perfect person to tell us about it. Hey, hello. Hello. You have time to tell us about Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. That's okay. We're used to it. Come on over here. 
APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thank you very much, Hillel. We do appreciate all the fine work Jeff, that you what? Um, you might want to call down to the front desk for some clean towels. We're, we're not at a hotel, <laughs> Hillel. Does your, does your cabin have a front desk? Maybe the no furnace front guy, front guy, <laughs> the furnace guy's dropped some off. Maybe the there's furnace guy's the door. <laughs> I'll have to do the some bu- laundry. The butler will uh, Sorry. deliver fresh towels. <laughs> Jeeves. Oh, man. I don't know. Sometimes he just loses his head and doesn't know where he is. All right. And we also want to thank our wonderful producer, director, Liz Piper in Toronto, Canada. Thank you, Liz. You're awesome. Thank you for all your hard work. Quick, quick plate here, Jeff. Look at this dead one that's just checking in from Iceland. Oh, look at this, she says, pointing out Carl. Uh... Georg Carlson is checking in from Iceland. I work in Control Center for Air Atlanta. Longtime listener. Very good. Thank you, Carl. Uh, welcome to the uh, live recording. Just caught hope, the uh, end of it. Just caught the end of it. Uh, next time, make sure you come to, uh, at the beginning. You'll uh, get even more content. All right. With that, uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off and wish you all a great weekend and a great week and hope to see you again next time on the APG show. Wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care. God bless. Cheers, y'all. Bye, buddy. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Meep, meep. Good day. a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy He can't land in heavy no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, I got